Hello again, everybody. You're listening to the Total Basis Podcast. I am your Felipe, your host, and with me is my good friend, Harry Siberian from the Northeast. How you doing, Harry? I'm good. I'm good, brother. How you been? I'm all right, man. Like I, like I mentioned off air, I'm a, I'm a little, uh, I think I'm getting a little under the weather, which is, I'm going to be devastated if I am, because I spent the entire year this year in 2024 without getting sick. So I like to keep it that way. So we'll see how I feel the rest of the day. But we continue on. We march on. Have a little bit of a talk about um, projections. Uh, it's pretty. I didn't realize that things like numbers and statistics and projections would be such a controversial thing. But here we are in 2024. And that's all I get from people every time I try to share anything of this ilk. It's just controversy from folks who, you know, think that spreadsheets and numbers and statistics are just uh are, are taking away our rights to enjoy baseball the way god made it to enjoy baseball and it's i've been doing this since 2013 man for just sharing my work and from a uh, statistical viewpoint or as my old editor used to say from a statistical lens and um that's all that's it's 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 a lot of pushback from folks like ah, why do i why do i have to do this so the, so you're just gonna do whatever the projections tell you to do like no not necessarily but the way I see projections is because I think the problem is a lot of people, they think about projections, Harry, and they think of it as Bible. They think of it as the end all be all. And it's not. They're just the way I see them. It's a suggestion. Um, and, you know, you've been listening to Ariel Cohen. I've been using Ariel Cohen's projections his ATC projections for the last few years. The five time five time five consecutive times winner of the most accurate projections uh, among all the projections that are 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 used out there in both real life baseball and fantasy baseball, um, he, he's been dominating that uh, that award. That he has, they they had to create a separate category just for him because his projections are not. And I got to use my words carefully here, but they're not really his projections. They're an aggregate. He just adds his own little spin to it, but it's still a model that he utilizes where. Basically, he the season has run a, a a few times, and they're just for a lot of these baseball projections here. If you don't know, and if anybody else doesn't know, you're just taking what is the most likeliest of outputs that are going to occur in the upcoming season, and it's going to be a conservative figure. Always, it's always going to be a conservative figure for these players. Uh, they don't go too high, they don't go too low. They just go somewhere of the most likeliest scenario that's about to happen. And but that's, that's the word though, projection. It's exactly a, it's a projection. Like it's you know, I know I'm you know just getting back into baseball, but football is the same way. Like, yeah, you listen to whoever you listen to and they give you advice, and then you got to figure out what you mm -hmm. feel is the best move of action. You know, bingo, I, right there. I got you lucky. Got it. I, I got lucky with just you know, gut play. I mean, Joe Pollock can tell you, my partner, you know, he you know, it's I literally just strategically took gambles in different areas of who I thought would do better. You know, I always hated having like particular players that were almost the same because mm -hmm. then you didn't know which one would have the better weeks. Yeah. So I'm sure it's the same thing in baseball. You know, like you may have an inning an innings eater and a pitcher, but does he perform in other areas better? It's just you probably know, not. You know, <laughs> right. Right. So you know, like so like yeah. So like you, you, it's a it's a gamble to figure out how you want to go about it, and you got to trust your gut and mm -hmm. see what you think is right. Just because the projections put out there doesn't mean that it's going to benefit you. It's 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 not a given. Yeah, and I've and I've drafted just based on sole projection as well. Like I've done it before, where I just where I have uh, uh, used it as Bible, and to mix results where 
the the upside about it is you do get off to a good start in that aspect the projections are right but things that projections don't account for too often uh strike up uh, sorry not strikeouts uh injuries those happen to everybody uh upside players that might come up minor league players that might come up to replace certain players you know uh and so job insecurity um and they don't really as much as they try to do their best, remember, these are conservative figures, so they don't go too high or too low. They don't really do a good job, from my experience, of predicting when when that decline is going to come. Like, I remember Miguel Cabrera. And and the StatCast numbers from Miguel Cabrera a few years ago did justify, like, hey, you know, if you can get him at a really good discount, Miguel Cabrera could still maybe can give you one more good season, one more good year. Because the stack has data shows that he hits the ball really hard. That's the real data. So the projections are gonna we're gonna gonna take those numbers and we're gonna see if he can duplicate some of the numbers that he's done in the past. But what I've noticed about these projections and and the these guys will tell you the same thing that is that they do favor uh, veteran players who've been in the league for a bit or for a while because there's more of a sample size. There's more of a uh, more of a, a a data sample that they can uh, configure into their projections. So you will get a Miguel Cabrera, you know, even though he's old, fat, and up there in age, um, and probably not producing much, they will show, hey, Miguel Cabrera might hit 25 home runs this year, even though he probably will hit 12 home runs if he's lucky. And I honestly don't remember what he did in his final years, but I just remember that projection showed that he was a uh, that he had one more year in him, and I drafted him one year, and boy, was I disappointed. <laughs> so... <laughs> so but that's, that's the gamble. That's, that's the, the gamble, gamble right? Yeah, that's the gamble. But I mean, that's what happens when you take these at Bible. Like, you, you, it, like when I said, when I did it, I get off to good April, May, and maybe some June starts. But then the the real the real uh, conflict happens. What happens after June first, July, August, the dog days of summer? Well, those projected players that you are recovering are they going to uh, last the entirety of the season? You know, so that's the game you play. And at the end, ultimately, because I can get blamed for all the things that you people make for your uh, that. Oh you know, well, Felipe told me to pick this guy. Felipe told me to pick that guy. Like I don't tell you to do anything. I told these are guys that I want. It's up to you to figure out if you agree with me or not. Like you have to make the final decision. I'm not there over your shoulder telling you what to do and what to pick. And that's been we've been very consistent. Even when uh, my my old podcast partner Sean Flannery were on, that was a thing that we used to tell people. Yeah, you can. We're telling you upfront who we want on the draft. We were telling you upfront who uh, we want. Um, can you hear me, Harry? Yeah, I hear you. Okay, it's kind of. I don't know what happened to my camera. Oh, what the hell? That's weird. Here we go. Yeah, okay, I'm back. I don't know what happened. I didn't press any buttons. But anyway, we we, we tell you the guys that we want, who we draft, who we want on off waivers, who we're interested in, who we like as as minor league players. You know. Keeper players, things of that nature, but ultimately, you guys got to do what's best for you and and what and what uh, what modifications are, need to be made for your leagues and for your liking. You know, I got no, I, I don't like Adolis Garcia. I I avoid Adolis Garcia a lot, and people tell me I'm crazy for doing that. I don't care. I got to live with myself. At the end of the day, I cannot recommend players that I don't like. Like, yeah, Adolis Garcia gets you a. Sh- ton of home runs and a lot of stolen bases but Adolis Garcia also comes with the 300 on base percentage which I told you the uh, last time Harry I can't I can't trust players who can't give me a, a a bare minimum acceptable on base percentage I can't do it can win with them so I'll just win in, a, in another way but if you guys want to get Adolis Garcia by all means 
I won't suggest it. I won't recommend it. But if you don't you don't agree with me, by all means, go ahead. Go get a Dolores Garcia. And, you know, if you win, that's fine. If you lose, well, that's on you as well. So you get the credit. You get your own credit and and the, your own, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> uh, your own desserts, or just desserts, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But uh, I don't you know. Do you really go get ahead. some people being combative with you about just projections and spreadsheets? Like, Bro, I've been this... doing this since 2013. Like, why are you giving me numbers? I, I literally had friends come on me say, well, see, that's your problem is that you were counting on projections. You got to cut your, you got to trust your instincts and your gut and your, and your this and your that. Like, well, what do you think I'm doing? Like I, like yeah, like I said, I had done it in the past, but lately, the last three, five years or so, I don't know. I can't keep track of this, especially since I started this podcast. Uh, the projections are just a guide; it's just a starting point for me. Everything else is just visual. Like I can visualize Ronald Acuna last year being the player to get in a brand new keeper league or in a brand new dynasty league. And what happened with Ronald Acuna? Not even last year; it was two years ago, right after his knee injury. I go, despite the fact of the knee injury, if I were to start a franchise today, I would want Ronald Acuna. That had nothing to do with projections. Matter of fact, projections did not like him because of the knee, of the he was coming back from knee injury. What happened last year? Freaking monster of a season last year. And if Harry, if you see the projections I sent you, he's supposed to not only dominate fantasy points leagues. But he's going to lap everybody around in fantasy points leagues with the 37 home runs and the 54 stolen bases. Now, again, that's a starting point. Do I believe Ronald Acuna could be the best player in fantasy points leagues this upcoming season? Yes. Yes, I do. In that regard, I do agree. So, but people will come at me and tell me, well, why Why do you got to do the projections? So, I'm just wondering, do you people really don't see Ronald Acuna being that type of player again. Another 37 home runs, 54 stolen bases, young player, plays over a really good team. He's uh he's uh, uh he's being allowed to play to his own discretion. Like there's no stop sign on him from his manager. And and, and the guy is the catalyst for that Atlanta Braves team. The, they go as far as he goes. It's not out of the realm of possibility that he's not only the uh uh that he can get that type of season, but he might just be. The best player that you need to get across, and that, and I'm not saying anything controversial, right, Harry? But the fact that I'm coming with a, you know, well, the projections. Oh, here's here's Felipe again using projections, using these fancy schmancy numbers. Since I mean, 2013, bro. That's that's been going on with me. And then I just, I just put up with it. Like, all right, well, give me, well, thanks for playing with me. I'll take your money. You guys, you know, you people who play against me for most part, uh subsidized my trip to Arizona last year for the World Baseball Classic. So I thank you for that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you it's uh, you know, from what I've learned the past month, I mean Acuna is is great, is superior for a roto league, let alone a head to head league. So because of the fact of the amount of stolen bases he gets and he hits home runs and the position he's playing. Like it's it's unreal like how great he is. So there's nothing wrong with him being number one and your projections are pretty spot on from what I've heard from two other podcasts. So I don't know who's the who's the crazy one here. Like I think people take this a little too far, but uh, everywhere you look, he's the guy. Like I've talked to my my old buddy Rich, who's a huge baseball guy. He's the number one guy, you know, in in fantasy baseball at the moment until something changes. Yeah, uh, just double checking. Where does I mean he has to be number one? I haven't done uh, just in the mock drafts alone. He's pretty much the best player that's off the board. Yeah, Ronald Queen, number one. Number two is Mookie Betts. Number three is Bobby Witt Jr. Kyle Tucker's number four, and Cor Corbin Carroll is number five. And if you want to include Julio Rodriguez at number six, 
we can most definitely do that. Uh, there are some people joining us this morning. Jacob, I salute you as well, my brother. Thank you for joining us this morning. Good morning to Manuel Hernandez, a big Oakland A's fan. Um, I think he's still an Oakland A's fan. I don't know. What, what do you do if you're an Oakland A's fan? Do you just uh, you go wherever the athletics go? I mean, that, are there any Philadelphia athletic fans still out there? I don't know. Is but that good. is that a done deal? They go into Las Vegas. Uh, I've lost track. Thing? I don't know. Yeah, There's I don't so know. much. I don't care anymore. You so know, at this point, I believe it when I see it. Going back to the mock drafts you just mentioned for a minute, the guys you all just mentioned aren't those all guys that, that hit home runs and have stolen bases? I'm sorry, what was that last part? Those all those guys you just mentioned, the mock drafts were going. You said it was Acuna and then Mookie uh, Betts and then Bobby Witt. Those guys all seem to have good home runs or better plus high stolen bases, no? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, Acuna is predicted to get 54 stolen bases. It was a Mookie Betts. Uh, actually, he's going to uh, only projected to get 13 stolen bases, but 33 home runs coupled with a 283 batting average. I guess that's what makes him a number two. Plus, he plays a premium position at second base. He automatically right. becomes the best second baseman out there. Kyle Tucker is a power-speed combo as well. 31 home runs, 25 stolen bases. Bobby Witt Jr., 29 home runs, 41 stolen bases, but only a 328 on base percentage. But you know what? I'll live with that. I lived with it last year. On en route to a championship, I'll live with it again this year. Uh, right. Corbin Carroll, definitely 23 home runs, 45 stolen bases. And the last guy was Julio Rodriguez, uh, projected to get 32 home runs and 32 stolen 32, bases. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, the top six are mostly outfielders who can get you power-speed combinations. And that's the thing. That's the other thing that people get at me. is like, well, Felipe doesn't even draft for stolen bases, which I don't. I But I draft – I'm very picky and selective, just with, like with saves. I don't just draft any closer – because that's one of the things that you're you're asking here, and one of your questions so is what what uh, positions or what statistics, uh, whether it be for hitters or pitchers, are um, are scarce or or, or scarce commodity, you, right? Scarce, scarce commodity, commodity or at a premium yeah. this year, and every year it's stolen bases, and every year it's it saves. It seems like, and uh, I'm here to say that I don't normally draft just for stolen bases only. Like if I'm drafting for stolen bases, the guy has to come with a set of skill set and some power, some pop to his bat. Like, I don't just get one-dimensional players. I tried that before. I don't like it. I drafted Billy Hamilton because, oh, well, if you draft Billy Hamilton, you win the stolen base category. Yeah, and, and I ended up losing my league because he did not give me a, a batting average. He did not give me a non-base percentage. Right, it wasn't well-rounded, right. Doesn't, not a well-rounded player. But, yeah, guys like Kyle Tucker, yeah, I'll take him because he can hit 31 home runs too. Um, and, and so that I'm more selective uh, than anything in that in that regard. Same thing with saves. Like, oh, you got to get um. Oh, what was a good? Who's a good example? Oh Lord, this just uh, the names of awful uh, closers throughout the years. You got anyone for me there, Harry? Otherwise, I'll look one up. Of awful closers, just just awful closers, but they get like thirty six. Like Bob Wickman, I guess was one example. Or uh, oh, the Cubs have one too. Let me see. The if Mets are going to kill me. I want to say Billy Wagner, but I don't know if that's that's fair. Uh, uh, <laughs> borderline Hall of Famer, maybe that's not fair. Uh, uh, Craig Kimbrell, I guess. Like, oh, you got to get Craig Kimbrell. He's going to be on a good team. He's going to get these saves. Yeah, but come on, he's disastrous. I think his best years are behind him. I know people are going to get at me for that, but Alex Lang is another guy I don't I don't like. Yeah, he's going to be the he should be the primary Detroit Tigers closer. But every time I look at his numbers, I just I'm not impressed by him. Like he just he's just so inferior to everybody else. Kyle Finnegan of the Washington Nationals. Oh my God, he's gonna be the only guy say, making uh doing saves for the Nationals. Now I'm more interested in his backup, which I believe it should still be Hunter Harvey. Like I'm I'm looking at Hunter Harvey. He's like, hey, good looking. Uh you come here often? Are you are you uh still gonna be the eighth inning setup guy and, and the primary closer once Kyle Finnegan uh craps the bet again this year? Holler at me if you can, huh? So that's 
what I'm looking at, at usually. I'm looking for uh, guys uh, say, for the guys who can get high amounts of saves. He has to be in the right situation, obviously, with the right team. And not even like on a winning team, but just uh, in terms of saves, Carrie, I, I would prefer if they're on a team that is projected to win a lot of close games, obviously. That's the name right. of the game. Because there's a lot of good closers on really good teams. But, I mean, like I got Rice Lee Glaces. I'm pretty sure he's not going to see a lot of uh, time because the Braves are just going to win a lot of uh, – uh, where they're going to be up five runs and Iglesias is not going to be uh, qualifying for the save. But I could see a guy like David Bednar uh, getting a lot of saves this upcoming year. I love David Bednar this year. Even if he gets traded. I mentioned this uh, early in the year. If David Bednar gets traded to the New York Yankees, I'm here to tell you that he is the – he be he should be the be, the ninth inning guy on that team automatically, if he gets traded. It's a big if, but we'll see. But usually things like that deter people from getting a closer like David Bednar of the Pittsburgh Pirates. But I'm here to tell you, no, he's the goods. I like them. I've always liked them. Pirates should if they win, they they're gonna win a lot of close tight games. And if he gets traded, I mean. I think a lot of these uh, teams are going to be wanting him as a closer and not as a as a late inning, just another late inning arm. I would think, unless you're the Mets, because you already have Edwin Diaz. But if you're the Yankees, hell, if you're the Orioles, I would take David Bettner over Kid Kimbrel, like ten ten out of ten times and twice on Sundays. Uh, more comments to read here. Um, James, my big rival in multiple fantasy leagues, basketball and baseball, James says, you are the devil on our shoulders, Senor Spreadsheet. I am. That's uh, one of my nicknames, Senor Spreadsheet. I always said that if I did have an OnlyFans, I would be no, uh, my tag name would be uh, Spread Them Sheets. Manny, the A's fan, I gave up some good players to trade for Wander Franco. Thanks, Felipe. Like, oh, well, that's... I know he's being sarcastic, but what if he did do that? I don't remember ever being like super duper high in Wander Franco like that. Like, go trade away your your entire roster for Wander Franco. Um, Manuel also says, I don't even play fantasy baseball. I'm just joking around. I was hoping you all would be baseball talking about baseball cards. So, no, I used to collect baseball cards when I was a young little Felipe version, like ten years old. I think I stopped at eleven years old. I I, I don't. I don't know why. Um, yeah, but that was a long, long time ago. I try, I, I try to get back into it, but I don't know. It just seems like if you don't have a rookie card, you, your baseball card, your baseball card collection is useless. So I don't know. Unless Manny, you tell me if I'm wrong. I, like I said, I'm, I'm trying. To, I was trying to get back into it, and it just, it just seems like it's rookie card or bust. Like if you have Wonder Franco rookie cards, um, you're busted. But before he got in trouble, uh, you were, you were, you were thinking that you were swimming just fine. Anyway, so that's my little spiel on <clears throat> projections. Uh, and that's this is uh, the spreadsheet I sent you, Harry. Uh, th these are just the hitters here. Uh, and I do have a color coordinator as well. But this is the Ariel Cohen. Um, well, these are my figures, the, 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 the color-coded stuff. So red, anything that's red is super-duper good. Anything that's yellow is about league average. And anything that's blue is just awful. But one thing I did realize that uh, before I would – pared down <clears throat> this list so i would take away a lot of bench players a lot of players who are not expected to play a lot but i didn't do it this year because i noticed that there's a lot of uh, minor league players that i want to take a look at as well but this kind of skews the number a lot where there's a lot of players now in red <laughs> so, <laughs> before these guys would be in yellow or so or maybe greenish color but now a lot of these folks are on an orange hue the yeah the league average yellow is like nowhere to be found anymore it's it's, it's hard to tell because there's more players, 
But yeah, see, as you as I dig down deeper, you see that it's now a sea of blue, right? Yeah. So these are players that are either not going to get a lot of playing time or just players that are not very good. And who's Mr. Irrelevant in this one? Uh, oh, I forgot. Well, Wander Franco. Yeah, we should not. Uh, we should try to avoid Wander Franco. That's why he's color coded in red. Um, who is? See, and it's, it's, it keeps going. It's about seven hundred players. Seven hundred and two players. Mason McCoy is Mr. Irrelevant with seven point seven projected fantasy points, and those are the fantasy points projections I'm using for my Mardi Gras Madness League. That's also a fantasy points head-to-head -head league, just like yours, Harry. Um, what is? Uh, is there anything positive? A dollar ninety-nine average. 258 on base percentage. So I guess with much confidence, I could probably delete him, but I won't. I'll keep him around for a little bit and see what happens. Look at this craziness. Projected to strike out 46% of the time that he's out there. Like, what exactly do you do for us, Mason McCoy? My God, that's high. Yeah, that is, uh, that's higher than usual, even for projections, even for conservative projections. But there it is, Acuna and Juan Soto, number one and number two. Uh, that's different than the list that I just shared from Fantasy Pros. That was the average draft position. Now, why is a, a Soto as like higher than some of those players that we mentioned uh, in a points league? Uh, the thirty-seven home runs, one hundred RBI, you know, so one hundred five RBI, uh, one hundred hundred five runs scored, and he'll chip in some stolen bases. Four, I mean, four twenty on base percentage. I think that that helps a lot which obviously we don't account for stolen uh, uh, on base percentage in points leagues, but you can indirectly in your mind realize that on base percentage means that he's going to get on base. Every time he gets on base, that's a point for you at the very least. How often is he going to get on base just via walk? According to Ariel Cohen, about 19.18% of the time. So every time it's so about 20% of the time that he's out there on a plate appearance, Juan Soto will be on base just via walk. And that is the league high coming into the season Juan Soto is projected to once again if, if he didn't do so last year which I think he did I'm 85% sure he did last year but once again Juan Soto is supposed to lead the league and and walk percentage so that's I think that's why the uh the point system even though we're always looking for um who can, who can steal bases you can steal bases I mean Juan Soto is projected to only steal 10 bases. And he, I mean, if you look at him, right, Harry, he doesn't look like a big base dealer, right? No. No, right? He's a heavy set guy, but his skill set is that he has an incredible batting eye and he can hit the, he's a, just a really natural pure hitter and he can hit with power as well. That power should translate to the second best player in fantasy point. By yourself, Juan Soto being the second best player in, in fantasy points there, Harry. I mean, I think I'm buying... You think I'm buying it? Yeah, right. Because, like you said, it, it doesn't in points league. It doesn't matter as much, right? Um, right. The stolen bases, right? They don't they don't matter as much. If yeah, I learned anything properly. Yeah, thirty-seven home runs. He's drunk, driving on a hundred RBI, uh, and then he'll chip in twenty-seven doubles as well. Uh, I think that's part of it is that he's contributing in other ways, not necessarily for stolen bases. That his big bat will contribute more than some other guys who can actually steal bases. And uh, and that's the mentality I carry across all my leagues, categories, roto, whatever. That's the mentality I have in mind every single time. Would I draft Juan Soto number two overall in a roto league? Uh, I am a big fan. I am. I love me some Juan Soto. And I would say that 65% of the time, depending on the mood, I think I would. People will call me crazy, but you know, I can, I feel I'm confident enough that I can get stolen bases elsewhere. 
So with that being said, any last before we move on to the next topic, any last words about the projections or uh, just anything that, that we talked about so far in the first uh, few minutes of show of this program? I just noticed a couple of names that I'm keeping, so I, I kind of like that. You know, I'm believe I'm keeping it in my league. Uh, it's not official yet, but if Joe and I decide we're keeping uh, Kyle Tucker and Corbin Carroll, so I kind of like those names being so high up. So hopefully yeah. that helps me. Yeah, I know that the CBS guys mentioned uh, Corbin Carroll having a history of shoulder injuries or whatnot. But, I mean, I asked uh, our Diamondbacks fan, Corey Decker, last, uh, the last time I was on there, uh, if he's heard anything, any injury concerns for Corbin Carroll. And he says, I have not. He looks fine to me, he says. And he's I'm right, he's right in my backyard. I have not heard anything negative about Corbin Carroll. So I'm going to take his word. I've loved Corbin Carroll for a long time now, so... The green light's on for Corbin Carroll and Kyle Tucker as well, sure. Uh, other things I hear, uh, these are the aggregate categories that I, uh, for my head-to-head -head league that I'm, I'm accounting for. So if you're in my head-to-head -head league, uh, turn away. I don't want you seeing my top secrets here. No, I'm joking. Uh, but basically, this is an accumulation of everything that this player is going to do, right? So uh, Ronald Acuna's 418 aggregate amount of, for my categories league. That includes everything as equal to as one. So that means singles, doubles, triples, home runs, our runs, our RBI, runs scored, hit by pitch. I think we keep track of hit by pitch. Uh, stolen bases minus caught stealing. Therefore, that's why I have the net stolen base there, Harry. Uh, gotcha. and, and number of walks taken minus number of strikeouts uh, uh, allowed. In this league, in my 12 by 12 category league, Ronald Acuna is going to uh, contribute 400 and 418 total amounts of all those categories I just mentioned. Number two, despite the fact that he doesn't see a lot of bases, Juan Soto. <laughs> what was that word you mentioned? Well-rounded is what you mentioned, right? Yeah, well-rounded. So it's not, there's, that's why I love them. I'm, I love these 12 by 12 leagues that I do with guys like Corey, Austin, Sean, Aaron, is that there's more than one way to uh, skin a cat here or, Ugh, I, I, I just said that out loud and I don't like it. But there's more than one way to win in, in leagues like this, right? You don't, oh, well, I got to get stolen bases. I got to get stolen bases. Oh, my God, now I got to get for home run. No, there's a lot of ways to win. You know, you want to get a punch and Judy hitter? Go on, do it. You could probably win with that in my league. Luis Arias, 322, despite the fact that he's only projected to get a total of 9.7 on uh, home runs plus net stolen bases, right? That means, let's take a look. Eight home runs. And two net stolen bases. Uh, that that's uh, what um, that's what loser rise is going to get you this year in terms of counting stats. People would say, "Oh, well, that's just awful." So he's nothing. He's just a one-dimensional player that can get you. Uh, his primary thing is batting average, right? But in a league like mine, Harry, three hundred twenty-two. Now people might not want to pick him as a top ten player. But if you do get them, you're going to get 137 singles, which we keep track of, 30 big doubles, which we keep track of, and uh, 75 runs. That's pretty darn good in in in, in roto leagues and definitely in the category leagues. You're going to get the big on uh, the big batting average and the big on base percentage, and he's going to limit his strikeouts. Oh my God, 40 strikeouts all year long. That's that's crucial for a league like ours. Categories. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah. low. Wow. They're extreme, minuscule, just just crazy. So that's why loser rises. Now, would I draft them in the top 10 in a league like this? No, I wouldn't. But where is he going right now? Luis Arias, right? 
looking at the other screen here at the Fantasy Pros, Luis Arise is going as the 122nd best player in fantasy. And I'm I'm assuming that's Roto League because of the lack of home runs and the lack of stolen bases. But that's what I mean. Every league is unique nowadays. Uh, I, I, I have yet to meet anyone that plays in just traditional 5x5 five five leagues. So, but again, if it's all average, I mean, what's 122? What is that, 12 times? That's like double-digit rounds, right? Yeah, it is double digit rounds. Yeah, as you can see, I'm busting out the calculator. So just rough math divided by twelve in a twelve team league. Yeah, that's a that between the tenth and the eleventh round. I mean, that's a steal at second base, I would think. So that's what all these things mean. So I think you will be focusing more on fantasy points. And Carrie, what you and your partner should just be doing is okay. Do we believe? You know, you still got to make your own rankings. I'm doing that as well. Do we believe in all these players being uh, attaining all of these uh, metrics? Can Austin Riley get to 509 fantasy points? Rafael Devers, Pete Alonso. And of course, you guys got to customize it to your own liking with this formula up here. But I'll leave it, I'll leave that up to you. I'll assume you guys know how to use a spreadsheet. Cause uh yeah, if I go any further, people are gonna be like, oh, what is this? A TED talk or is this a fan or is this a baseball podcast? I don't know. So uh we go to over the pitchers now. Oh, it's really tiny. So this is what this is what I use. This is what I use every year to figure out my where I want to, in which direction I want to go to in fantasy circles, fantasy baseball circles, and to get me ready for the upcoming season as well. Uh, this one should be, hmm, I don't know what this is sorted by, but let's do the points league since we're both in points leagues. We'll sort it by points league. There's a lot of play, a lot of players to discuss here, so that's why it's taking a while. All right, so Spencer Strider is the number one pitcher in points league coming into the 2024 season, according to the. Uh, projections i have here for my for my mardi gras league the my points league uh is spencer strider better than garrett cole coming into the 2024 20, season harry i'm not sure and okay. it's not fair i'm a yankee fan so i'm gonna be, I'm not gonna be biased <laughs> so it's tough i mean well i mean it, the people would say well garrett cole has done it longer spencer strider is he's still a converted relief pitcher uh, dominated last year, really dominated last year. He really did. The numbers will show that despite the fact that his ERA was really high. The peripherals show a very dominant picture. Uh, but he's still learning on the job. I mean, I think we talked about it already he, that, uh, in the first or second episode that he's still trying to um, uh, perfect his third and fourth pitches, if he even has a fourth pitch. Wow. Garrett Cole, on the other hand, is has been pretty much the gold standard at starting pitching for the last – three, four seasons at this point. But it's, it's always, uh, you know, is this the year that it falls apart for him, right? Because we as humans, we just naturally decline. It's just some Major League Baseball players like Justin Verlander are better at deferring that, you know, that time, that decline from ever happening. That like They do a better job of letting it happen later rather than sooner. Does Gary Cole fall in that category? Or is this year the you know the fact that he plays for the Yankees? It's more a pressurized uh, situation. There's a short. Uh, it's a it's traditionally a hitter friendly ballpark. He doesn't have a beard anymore. I don't know. Maybe those things fall into it. I think Garrett Cole would be the more surefire player here. Mm -hmm. But I tell you, man, Spencer Strider is he's just fun to watch. But he also comes with baggage. I loved him last year when I was able to get him in the third or fourth round in my one of my categories leagues. And uh, he was going as like the – he wasn't going as number one pitcher, I could tell you that much. But now that he's going as the number one pitcher, it's like, well, 
Is he going to be Jonathan Taylor? You know, to use a fantasy football analogy, is he going to be like Jonathan Taylor, where he was the consensus number one player in fantasy football one time, and then just fall off a cliff? Or, you know, is he going to be? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it seems like. Every, it, it, do you ever notice that in fantasy football, anybody who gets drafted number one is just a is just a bust in fantasy football circles? It happens all the time. I okay. do, I I drafted Justin Jefferson in two leagues. Uh, and then it ended up killing me. Yeah. Well, actually, no, that's not true. I still wanted one of them, but um, yeah, I, I drafted him. Uh, he landed to me with the second pick in my fantasy football league. And then I was in my buddy Joe's league, my partner, and I had the first pick. So I did take Jefferson. I ended up still winning Joe's league. I got lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, there was things out there like CJ Stroud and, you know, that, that, that changed my whole QB play for the year and then different stuff. Um, and then I actually went out with uh, with uh, Baker Mayfield, but, but that's another story for another day. But uh, the point though is that uh, yeah, Jefferson in two different leagues killed me. So yeah, the first pick I don't like picking first. I think it always. <laughs> I mean, I mean, because I'm I'm a traditional for fantasy football, you know, snake draft guy. I, I hate waiting that long between picks. I think it's just yeah. it's, it's atrocious. So I rather I rather pick four or five or six. Middle of the pack, yeah, yeah, middle of the pack type thing, but um, and then I'll but if I had to pick either one or 12, say you're a 12 or 14 league, I'd rather pick back to back on the back end than, than in the front. I yeah, I'll, sense that. I'll be doing that in our since I won the championship last year, I'll be doing that in our baseball life league. I'll be, I don't think I've ever picked in a single digits in that league, I'm always winning. Well, wow. I'm winning championships, but I, you know, I make it, you know, at least I get enough spins at that, at that wheel to you know, have a 10th or 11th uh, pick overall, which some people would just yell at me and say, just just tank next year so you can get a better pick. Like, no, nah, man, I am here to win. You you play to win the game. That is my that is my credo. I use that Herm Edwards quote all the time. I got a quote here from Manny Hernandez, uh, the A's fan that we talked, that's been uh, listening in. So I thank you for waking up with us this morning. He's out on the West Coast, I believe. So he's super duper up. And I don't know what he's doing on a Saturday morning, but... By the way, he says, the A's are moving to Las Vegas with a proposed stadium plan to open in 2028. Wow, that's a long time. They have to find a place to play in 2025, 2026, and 2027. They own half of the Oakland Coliseum, but are looking at Sacramento, Salt Lake City, and Oakland. And all that, Harry, you'll appreciate this. All of that just spells disaster, right? That's a terrible way to run a franchise. That's just my opinion. But there's a reason why the athletics have moved not once, not twice, not three times, but four effing times in, in their illustrious history. Uh, they started out in Philadelphia, and now they're in Las Vegas. That's their fourth stop. And, hell, they might even have a fifth or sixth stop, depending on where they want to play next year. So uh, you have any thoughts on that now that you have a little bit more insight on the uh, Oakland Athletics uh, situation? It's just sad. I'm just, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm stuck in a time warp. I just remember the athletics that had, you know, like Zito and Hudson and, Yep. You know, Mark Moeller, you know, that, 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 and then they had, you know, Giambi before we had Giambi. And, yep. uh, I don't know, like a lot of great players came out of Oakland back in the day. You know, Reggie like, Jackson, if you want to go to the 70s, yeah. Reggie Jackson. I mean, you uh, know, Ricky Henderson, you know, Roger I mean, Maris. I mean, it's just crazy that, that, you know, I guess, uh, I mean, are they are they like the baseball version of the New York Jets? I mean, no, they are the uh, uh, baseball version of the uh, the Oakland Raiders. The yeah, I guess so. Around, yeah. <laughs> I guess uh, they, they're around. meant for each other, right? Other things from Manny uh, about baseball cards. It's all about the prospect, and most of the time, you have to sell fast to make money. Well, 
he's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not same as fantasy baseball too. If you if you don't believe in a prospect, you trade him away and see if you can get top dollar for him. I guess. Uh, what do you guys feel about Junior Caminero? I'm curious to what he is projected to be like from stat and star potential. If you've done analysis for him, boy, I tell you, I have, I have done it, done a little bit. Uh, as of right now, he is my number two prospect coming into the season. Uh, and I rank my prospects a little different because I am selfishly looking for them uh, in fantasy baseball circles. But let's take a quick look at Junior Caminero over at the Fangraphs page, and I'll share my screen as soon as I got the Caminero page up and running. Uh, but I like him. What I don't like is the situation in Tampa Bay. I, I don't like the way they bring up their prospects very slowly. Uh, Caminero might be an exception, but I still i am a little um, wary. And as you can see right there, Latest news as of two weeks ago, or maybe more than that, two and a half, three weeks ago. Junior Caminero is unlikely to crack the Rays' opening day roster, according to Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times reports. But this is what Fangrass thinks about him. Uh, 5'11", 157-pounder, little guy, so he needs to eat more. Um, but we've also seen that, you know, sometimes the heightened weights are not correct. Uh, he'll play on the left side. That is the left side of the infield, Correct. Little young guy, age 20. He'll be 21 after July 4th. But he's still working on that hit tool. The power is where it's at. 80 great power potential. Kind of slow. Can't feel much. But still, the bat alone puts him at a 60 future value out of an 80 great scale. So you're saying and, he's Mike Stanton? Uh, or Giancarlo. Yeah. Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. I remember that was his name before. Uh, he could be. Uh, well, no, he's a little guy. He's a little guy. So, uh, well, yeah, I meant like I mean the size part. I meant like just the the playing style. It sounds like yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think who would be a good example. Um, anyway, let's move on. Uh, Caminero's. Uh, this is the prospects too long to read. Uh, too long t- did not read. Uh, sentence here. Caminero's power is nearly elite, and he's only twenty years old. He may outgrow the infield. So uh, you, you might be right. Maybe he will on the left stand, but still, he's only five eleven. But thirty five plus homers are probably on the way. So if you believe that he can get you 40, 35 home runs, then by, let's see what he's done in the minor leagues. Like last oh. year in the double A. Well, go ahead. What was what are you looking I at? I think we need to revisit that because now I'm intrigued if we have time. Like, who do we think he's like then? Like, because if you're gonna use size and, and all that, because now I got my you know, my cranks are, you know, the gears are shifting now in the head. And now <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out. I keep thinking about the kid in uh well, he's not a kid no more, obviously, but the guy that was in Seattle back in the nineties that played DH. Um, but Edgar Martinez, um, yeah, but he didn't have a lot of power though. Edgar Martinez, yeah, he, he had, had some power, he had some, he had power. some power, he had yeah. some power, but not, not nothing, I wasn't outrageously, you know, it was, he had some power, yeah. But Edgar Mar- the first guy came to mind, I don't know why. Edgar Martinez might be a good comp, like at the very absolute best, that this is a, a reincarnation of Edgar Martinez. I forgot what his height and weight were. I know that he got really big, you know, for reasons, yeah, he did get heavy, right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I don't know, I'm just reasons I, i'm one of those guys and once you mention something like that yeah it's gonna start driving me crazy until probably after the you know recording's <laughs> over and then you know i'll have an answer for you so well put it out there 511 uh barely 160 pounds with but lots of power where is that power coming from i don't know but you people listening you tell me what a what player in baseball history has done that that has projected to hit about 35 home runs at the at his absolute peak but this is what he did in double a last or double a yeah because he played in both right, let's combine both High A and Double A. He had 31 home runs last year, five stolen bases only. So he's not a uh, he's not a stolen base guy. So just pure power. 
He drove in about 84 runs last year. Uh, was able to control his strike zone, uh, the strikeouts, I should say. I mean, 25% nowadays, you'll take that. Uh, and he was able to improve his walk rate in double A. So as the competition got tougher, his batting I got a little bit better because he was able to increase his walks and limit his strikeouts. And he did good for himself as a 20-year-old, or 19-year-old, actually, in double A. Uh, I mean, he held his own. Look at those numbers, the triple slash line right here. Um, what is he projected to do this year? Well, I think uh, Ariel is kind of wary, uh, uh, just like I am. He's only going to play 75 games. Well, that's half a season. So, yeah, the Rays might bring him up later this year, like after June or something, right? Because that's what the Rays do with their uber blue chip prospects they yeah uh you need to uh go back and i don't know uh, work on your throwing yeah i don't like we don't like the way you throw we're cheap ass teams so we, we we don't want you up here too too soon uh it's a learning curve so that's they think ariel thinks that strikeouts are going to go back up comparatively speaking uh to his double a performance and even though the there's a low on base percentage that the power is legitimate and that he will produce in other ways and if you guys want this the counting stats ariel thinks that he will hit 12 home runs, drive in 43 RBI in 75 games, and chip in 12 doubles and uh yeah, 12 doubles. It's a 265 batting average. So that and I guess I could have done it, you know, my spreadsheet here, because I do have Junior Caminero up somewhere. Let me just take a quick look at him. Do you want to you want to hear uh Google's answers for this? Sure, go ahead. All I typed in was 511, you know, hits for power. Outfielder Willie Horton was only 5'11 tall, but for the Detroit Tigers in 1968, he was the biggest bat in the lineup. Yeah. Horton felt the 38 long balls that year. Hey, you know, sometimes uh, it's it's sometimes people only gravitate towards the big Hall of Fame type of names, but sometimes a guy like Willie Horton will will be sufficient. And as you can see, the the counting sets are pretty low for Junior Caminero this year, uh, because we don't know when he's playing this year. Can he actually hit 35 home runs? on a consistent basis. I mean, everything shows that he can. I just, I'm a little, he has the, the, the height. I just, the, 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 the rest of it, the, the, it's, he it, it just sounds like a lanky player. I have not, as you guys can tell, I have not seen him in like on television or in person, but he just seems like he's a, he's a lanky player. So he needs to build out his body and maybe I could start believing him, but that is the upside 35 home runs, which probably leads to hundred RBI, uh, decent batting eye, yeah, even as a rookie, he's going to be producing when one way or another, like 761 ops for a rookie, you'll take that. So maybe not this year, but yeah, I mean, but he, he's not an electric player in terms of like the the fielding. He, he's not going to make the highlights from what those projections stated. Um, he's not going to see a lot of bases. If he's Austin Riley, does, is that worth anything? Right? So that's something Manny Hernandez from a, from a baseball card collector if, if if Austin Riley makes you money, then Junior Caminero will make you money. If Austin Riley is just another player, then Junior Caminero, in, in terms of baseball card collection, then Junior Caminero might be the same thing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't do baseball cards, but if he can be like Austin Riley, I think that's a win for a lot of people, especially in fantasy more. baseball. Go ahead. So someone on Reddit put Mel Ott, who was five nine. He's one of the best hitters ever. Hit five hundred eleven yeah. career home runs. Uh, uh, yeah, but he's left handed. But yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, yeah, Mel Ott. I, he also came up as a teenager, I believe. John McGraw just loved the kid. Um, so that the only qualm is that he's left-handed. Right, no, and, no, I get it. I just yeah, I, I'm I'm anal like that. It has to be the same height. And, although even the height, you gotta you gotta account for it for eras, right? Because 
we we as a society are getting taller and taller every every year, right? So, so I guess I'll I'll forgive the uh, the height differential there, but that that that's a good one just from a pound for pound situation. Now, did Mel Ott see a lot of bases? I think he did. Yeah, I didn't look it up, but I think he I think he did. I'm pretty confident that he did see a good amount. So so in that regard, it's not a good comp. It's not a good comp. Uh, because I'm like I said, I'm mainal like that. Like it has That's to be okay. the exact same stolen base stature, same height, same weight. It has to be the same handedness. So, but that's just me. I don't, more people, a lot of people are more forgiving than I am. But like I said, I'm the most anal guy I know. So I hope that answers your question, Manny. Uh, boy, he's asking me a lot of questions. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the uh, 55 years old in Oakland, though, more than half the time span. Edgar was six foot, 175 pounds. So yeah. There you go. That might that might be a really good comp. Uh, Junior Caminero Hall of Fame potential there, if at the very best. No, so I was right. Or pretty close. That's good. And, yeah, and he's, he explains that he started chasing his baseball cards in 2024 series, just hoping to hit on an autograph or a specific parallel, as he doesn't have a regular base card. I hit his one-of-one, one and <laughs> Jesus Christ, I don't know what one-of-one one means. I mean, I know what one-of-one one means. I just don't know in context. I, but one the, of one cards is a, worth, the cards worth a lot more being one-of-one. Yeah, I know that that's like a unique car that he got. I just don't know in what context that he got. But, uh, and it's at, at three thousand dollar as a collector. I have to figure when to sell it or keep for my collection. Austin Riley's card value isn't as high as it should be, in my opinion. Stats and card value don't go hand in hand. Yeah, because you know, it's a lot of uh, marketability, right? You know, Austin Riley doesn't have a lot of marketability. Junior Caminero is Latino. I think he's Latino, right? He might have some because, you know. Latinos are more loyal, I think. And that's just me pulling, you know, generalities out of my, my head here. So it's more about hype and of earnings they are than as a prospect. So yeah, sell if you want to sell now, sell now. But if you think it's gonna be Edgar Martinez, I don't know. Maybe you, you hold maybe on. Maybe you hold on to it. Right. Yeah. Maybe you hold on to it. But let me ask you, is Edgar Martinez worth anything? It, like a rookie Edgar Martinez Hall of Fame autograph card. Is that worth anything? So oh, those are questions that Manny has to answer. I don't know. So but see, but but that's but that's depends on like you know the amount that's out there. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, cards are weird because it depends on how much the market's flooded. Yeah, I only know this because my best friend's a huge card collector, he's been collecting since he was born. Like his father started for him, and then he's still collecting to this very day. So, like, it's all about you know, like last year, uh, this past year I bought a box of uh, I think it was Don Russ, uh, complete set of uh football because of CJ Stroud. Um I didn't, you know, the, the, um, what do they call those blaster boxes? Those were already gone. You know, people already have the ins on that. You can't get your hands on that stuff unless you have an in, uh, for some reason, um, at like targets and stuff. But so I bought one just in case, and maybe I'll get my money back, you know, if I keep it sealed, but I can try opening it and seeing if something crazy comes out of it. But there's a risk to that. If I open it and there's nothing good in there, then I'm screwed. So I don't get my money back on the box at all. Good stuff. I was not expecting to talk about baseball cards this morning, but but there is some similarities to both the activities, both hobbies. I mean, they're both hobbies. They both keep you um, in tune to the to the actual Major League Baseball game. Uh, there's money involved, a little bit of money involved, more money I, I, in the card collecting. I, guess, but... I got another quick scenario for you. So uh, McFarlane used to make you know figures, and they still do to some degree, uh, but it's a little different no. now. No, 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 McFarlane, the Spawn uh, guy. McFarlane figurines uh, the company that would make figures. So like behind Todd me, like, you see you see all the Yankee figures up there that my buddy you know got me over the years. So back <laughs> in the day, you used to have Chase figures, oh. and 
but no one knew about them. It wasn't on the box or the package or anything. So there was a hunt for it. So like Toys R Us or different places that sold it, you'd have to go out there the day the day they put it on the shelf. And but you know, once in a while you'll catch a chase figure and you could resell it. So I remember once I bought a um who's that the uh hockey player he's playing on Washington? Um Alexander Ovechkin. He still plays, I, I think. Yeah. Yeah, like I got the uh, alternate jersey. It was like a chase figure. I only paid 15, 17 bucks for it. I sold the thing on eBay for three hundred dollars. Nice. Like literally a day later. You know what I mean? So yeah. like so the, but there was a hunt of that, and that's kind of like how cards has turned into as well. The cards aren't chase, but there's parallels and different types of inserts that if you get, you can make yourself a lot of money. I mean, right. it's but it's it's the thrill of the chase of it. I think that's why yeah. most collectors do it. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like that's why I don't. That's why I don't collect. I mean, I collect. I'm starting to collect some books, but my intention is to read them eventually. But obviously, I'm, I'm nowhere near finishing my books. <laughs> right. Right. But no, you know that, that, that. I mean, I collect books just because uh, you know. I don't know. I just I always wanted to have a little library somewhere. In my household, right. so this is a good start. But and they're not valued at anything. Although if they if this book burning stuff keeps happening, maybe they will be valued something. Like man, that Scotty Pippen book, man, he said a lot of bad things about Michael Jordan. Now Michael Jordan wants to cancel him out. Well, I have the last remaining copy of Unguarded, the story of Scotty Pippen, and uh, I I hope I also have uh, the Michael Jordan rules by Sam Smith. So I'm gonna read both of them eventually. Uh, McFarland Toys, yes, I was thinking about Ted Todd McFarland. Uh, I think that's the guy who did Spawn, right? the creator of Spawn and all those other right. uh, comic books. And the guy who bought uh, the Mark McGuire baseball, right? If I remember yeah, correctly. I so. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah. Anyway, you have players. Uh, uh, by the way, all these statistics, whether you use the ATC projections uh, or, the, you know, I, I think I mentioned this before, Harry. There's a Zips. There's a Steamer. There's the Fangraphs depth charge. There's the Bat. There's the, the Bat X, which accounts for um, expected batted ball data and everything that's from what I understand, everything that, that you saw in Baseball Savant, that's there for you if you want it. There's a lot of things that they play around with uh, through your projections. So if you want to look into the future, spoiler alert coming up, who's going to be the best player in 2026 according to the Zips projections? Uh, Ronald Acuna. So nothing has changed. Everything's the same. Fernando Tatis is going to make a bounce back. Ali Rushman still the best catcher in, all, in the land. And Gunnar Henderson is the second best player on that team uh, for the Orioles. Bobby Witt Jr. is going to take a dip at number nine. Wonder Franco will still be playing somehow. <laughs> That's why they're projections, right? <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, nah, I was just laughing. Just okay. Oh, that funny. You had players you had questions for, so let's see if we can get to as many as we can. O'Neill Cruz, what my thoughts about O'Neill Cruz is I like the upside. I really, really do. But this guy lacks so much baseball uh acumen right he uh, for just points leagues he is supposed to, oh that's tyler o'neill my bad so where the hell is o'neill cruz oh you know what i might have spelled his name wrong so about cruz there oh that's ellie de la cruz sorry o'neill oh well, that, well of course they're right next to each other they're basically uh doppelgangers of each other this the player number 71 and 72 uh i know that ellie de la cruz is going really high where a lot of the so-called experts are are even saying that well that's that's a little too high 34th overall as of right now it seems like he's keep he keeps climbing as people are having a little bit of uh a fear of missing out on the guy and i'm sorry man that's that's second that's between second third even fourth round selection right there and i'm not i'm not doing it i'm not doing i'm not i am not wasting a second or third round pick on a project i can't do it that's ellie de la cruz by the way but o'neill cruz is a similar player 
I believe. You know, raw, talented. They're basically think about basketball players, right? We 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 see raw basketball players get drafted every single year, and they just don't have the basketball IQ to play heavy minutes, even if they're um, highly picked. We see it all the time, right, Harry? Uh, for every Victor Wembanyama, you get like a, a, a Justice Winslow or a Stanley Johnson. Yeah, true. Who, who are those guys exactly? Or or my guys, uh, Jackson Hayes. I still believe in you, goddammit, Jackson Hayes. I still believe in you. It's got to be like Tyson Chandler, man. Just run up and down the court from paint to paint. Just grab rebounds and block shots and get the alley oops. That's all you got to do, and you'll be you'll be the perfect perfect uh, uh, fantasy basketball center. But Ellie De La Cruz, uh, and I understand the hype. I mean, twenty home runs, thirty six big stolen bases. But let me look at two forty nine batting average. A 311 on base percentage, and what did I say before? I can't trust I can't trust guys who can, who cannot post respectable on base percentages. I can't do it. The What's other your, remind me. I for, sorry for forgetting. Or, uh, 330, it, 330, 330, and I mix. And of course, okay. there's exceptions to the rules, Harry. There really is. I mean, 320 from you see 320 up here from Willie Adamas. You see 322 from Bryson Stott. I think those are guys I would consider uh, drafting, uh, depending on situation. Usually uh, to, to fill out my middle infield position, you know, things of that nature. But Ellie Vela Cruz at 311, I don't, I mean, you 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 have to sacrifice that skill set, that area of skill for the big stolen bases and the big home run potential, the big power speed combination. But even at seven, a 751 ops for a guy that big and that promising, I mean, we just saw Junior Caminero. He's projected to hit 767 this year. And again, the reason I bring up things like ops and WOBA and all that is because some, there is some correlation with these rate stats uh, to that that should be able to transpose into fantasy baseball production. It should doesn't mean that it's the end all be all, but it should at the very least for me. It gives me a better idea if these guys can really hit their mark on a consistent basis, or are they just going to be there to frustrate you, guys like? Ellie De La Cruz and O'Neill Cruz, they are going to be there to frustrate you with their big strikeouts. Last I checked, you keep track of strikeouts for hitters, right? You get penalized for that? I believe so, yes. Well, so do I. And I don't want that in my life. <laughs> so, oops, wrong thing. So that's my concern with the Cruises. I love the potential. I love the athleticism. I love the upside on all those guys. And maybe they this is the year they get it all together. I mean, you see the bit the highlights, you see that the stack cast numbers, you see that they're throwing a hundred miles an hour across the diamond. They're very exciting players. But this is a game that yes, uh, you gotta be athletic, but you also gotta have some skill set to you. That's why guys like Ben Zobras can survive forever. Whit Merrifield is still in the league, despite the fact that he's getting slower. But he still has a skill set there that major league baseball teams are looking for. These guys are still learning on the job. So if you're willing to uh, put up with those growing pains, have at it, but I wouldn't. I'm, I'm not targeting any of those guys, and I love those guys, but I, just, I can't do it. Can't win with them. Can't do it. Just quote Mike Singletary. Can't win with them. Can't do it. Won't do it. O'Neill Cruz going between 7th, 8th, maybe ninth round. That's a little bit of a pill, easier pill to swallow. But, I mean, is he? Better? am I taking him over David Bednar? I just shared my love for David Bednar. I don't think I could. Is he better than Glavar Torres? Maybe, but Glavar Torres 
has a more mature plate approach compared to O'Neill Cruz. Josh Lowe, similar situation, but Josh Lowe, where is Josh Lowe anyway? Maybe, maybe before I talk out of my butt, maybe I should look up what Josh Lowe brings to the table. Josh Lowe is a uh, outfielder for the Tampa Bay Rays. Kind of similar situation with the other guys, the Cruises I've been mentioning. Um, so Josh Lowe, same thing, power speed combination, 26 stolen bases for you. But low on base percentage, slightly higher than the guys I just mentioned. Similar ops, similar Woba. So, yeah. So, at that point, similar strikeout rate. So, at that point, I guess O'Neill Cruz is better than Josh Lowe. Is he better than Yuri Perez, the six foot eight starting pitcher for your Miami Marlins, who's only 20 years old? Well, it depends how you see a 20 year old for the Miami Marlins. Does, I mean, you tell me, Harry, O'Neill Cruz, with all his uh, shortcomings that he has coming to himself, would you still want that over a, a raw pitcher with lightning stuff, but 20 years old, unproven for a, a very bad team in the Miami? I mean, they're both played for bad teams, but it just depends what you're looking for. Yuri Perez or O'Neill Cruz? I guess it's a gamble either way. I mean, exactly. For me, though, the surefire thing is Yuri Perez, despite the fact that Yuri Perez can blow out his arm tomorrow because that's how volatile pitchers are. But you mentioned what are some statistical categories that are going to be lacking this upcoming season? Just pitching. We saw that pitching is down because of these new rules. That it was a pain in the butt looking for pitchers off waiver wires last year in all my leagues, except for the ESPN league, because guys were they learned a lesson like we need to have a good hitting lineup to stop Felipe from winning championships. What does Felipe do when everybody zigs? I zag. All right, you're gonna take all my hitters, all my favorite hitters. I'll just take all my favorite pitchers. And I won with nothing but dominant pitching because I was able to see that, you know what? There should be more hitters available because the rules are now more friendly towards hitters. So pitchers are more valuable in this league. And I ended up compiling a super roster, a, a, a super rotation of, of, of pitchers last year. And that's what carried me throughout the season. And that's what carried me through a championship. Despite the fact that, what, Julio Rodriguez, my center fielder, was just inconsistent. Giancarlo Stanton was injured the entirety of the year. Tommy Edmund did not play up to, to the one time I actually get a guy like him who sole purpose is to steal bases. Of course, that's the year that he decides that he's not going to be consistent and that he's injured all the time. Ain't that something? Um, it's the way it works sometimes is terrible. Yeah, that's that's the luck factor that you, you can prepare all you want, but that luck factor, if you don't have it in those intangibles, those random variables, if you don't have it, then you know, good process, poor results, right? Keep telling, yeah, that's what I tell myself. Um, what was the other player? Randy Arozarena, again, inconsistent player. But you know what I had on my pitching side? Spencer Strider, Tyler Glass now, Luis Castillo, Nate Ovaldi when he was healthy, Jonathan Gray when he was healthy, um, Justin Steele, drafted super duper late, ends up being a Cy Young candidate. That's wow. how you, and when everybody zigs, you kind of have to zag and just roll with the punches and, you know, that's the way I play, but some people think that's a little too risky. I can't I can't manage that way. And that's fine too. You want to play it safe, that's fine too. But as my friend Mario Margola, who writes for fantasy pros, used to say, you can play it safe all you want, but if you're happy finishing in fifth and sixth place every year, then that's fine too. Sometimes you gotta take you gotta think outside the box a little bit. So in that getting back to our conversation about O'Neill Cruz, if you think that he can it just depends. Let me show you the list, man. You tell it, it just depends. And out there, you tell me. Like O'Neill Cruz, 
is he better than Bobby Miller is also on your list? Is he is he do you think he's gonna be better than a pitcher like Bobby Miller? Do you think he's gonna be better than uh, a guy like Hassan Kim who plays multiple positions, who also steals a bunch of bases, but probably does not have the same upside as O'Neill Cruz? Ryan Reynolds is like the safest player you can get. But do you believe O'Neill Cruz will be better than him uh at the end of the season? I'm not sure. Better than his teammate. It's, we don't know. That's why right. I ask, and and I think that the answer is is too many question marks to depend on guys on a guy like O'Neill Cruz when there's a, these other players to get like Jordan Romano, like pretty damn good closer for the Blue Jays. I like him. Zach Eflin, Tampa Bay Rays. That Tampa Bay pitching magic is a real thing. But again, these are guys going ahead of Cruz. But I'm just saying that these guys might be available when O'Neill Cruz comes up to bat. Uh, Jazz Chisholm is the same situation, right? Raw athletic. Uh, everybody's getting a Jazz Chisholm Jr. because of the counting stats, but from a skill set that, that that important skill and craft set that you need to be a good baseball player, that's lacking with these two guys. So, Glavar Torres. I just asked. I mean, it, it, I just said that I think Glavar Torres at this point has a pretty good handle of what it takes to be a consistent major league baseball hitter at this point of his career, where Neil Cruz is still learning on the job. Yuri Perez, Joe Ryan, Justin Steele. Uh, maybe I'll take O'Neill Cruz over Justin Steele. Joe Ryan, I know that's not a very uh, sexy pick for a lot of guys, and I know you ask about him as well. Uh, but Joe Ryan, you know, in a league well, where pitching is at a premium, I think he's a pretty darn good pitcher to get. And you might be more uh, better off getting a, a guy like Joe Ryan and filling out your uh, starting rotation than going chasing well, upside with O'Neill Cruz. Go ahead. Well, there's a reason. So the first, you know, people that I – the players – that I mentioned to you was, you know, O'Neill Cruz, Bobby Miller, Cole Raggins, you know, Bailey Ober, who's on both lists. Yeah. Uh, Julian and then Michael King. Those are just sleepers that I heard from fantasy pros and a couple different podcasts. Yeah. So that's why I was questioning. And then I listened to another podcast the other day about the 13 undervalued players. They had a uh, Ryan Bloom on. Um, I follow him on Twitter now. I think it's Bloom, Ryan Bloomberg or Bloom something. But um, that sounds really good. So he, you know, I have like the list. That's why I put you the list of like, you know, Xander Bogarts, Joe Ryan. And they just were saying that like, they're just undervalued players that like people yeah. don't value what they can actually bring to the table. So for example, like Joe Ryan, you know, uh, he, he has a great low walk rate, you know, but the issue is, is the amount of home runs he gives up. So that's yeah. where like yeah. gambling with him, you know, on, on, on that situation um, they brought up the uh, outfielder from, I think it's the Dodgers, Teoscar uh, Hernandez and the size yeah. strikeouts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So his ADP was like 130, you mm -hmm. know, but he hits near, you know, 28 home runs. So if you're in that position in the draft and you're looking for a home run hitter, you know, that's the kind of guy to go for, even though you're worried about his strikeouts. Like, so I'm just trying to learn this. That's why I was asking you for your opinion, because... I trust you over, you know, over, I mean, those guys are great experts too, but I want your yeah. opinion on this type of stuff. So these are just under undervalued players that, you know, are basically being, I guess they were saying that they're being looked over yeah, rather, yeah. Than, rather than being valued for what they're, what they can bring to the table. All right. Well, you mentioned Joe Ryan uh, giving up a lot of home. Yeah. He's expected to give up, uh, be in the top 10 among the worst pitchers to give up home runs. So is Garrett Cole. Right. So let's not draft Gary Cole then. No, no, no. Right. right. No. I mean, I mean, you, you I mean, Max Scherzer at one point of his career was giving up 35 home runs a season. 
just because, I mean, the home, home runs are going to be given. You know, the way I look at home runs given up is the same way I look at uh, uh, NBA centers getting dunked on. It's going to happen. You can right, do of course. all, yeah. Now, as you can see, there is some consistent, uh, uh, some consistency about these players. Josiah Gray, bad. Kyle Freeland, no, don't get him. Patrick Corbin, bad. Lucas Giolito, bad. Aaron, I mean, Aaron Nola, depending. I mean, yeah, he's uh, getting older and he's becoming an extremely crafty pitcher as as the years go on. Like relying less on his fastball and more on his uh on his secondary what what traditionally would be secondary and tertiary pitches like his curveball. But uh, I mean, shit, the Phillies always have a chance to be a threat to make the World Series every damn year because of Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. But he's going to give up 26 home runs, apparently. So don't draft Aaron Nola then, <laughs> right? Logan Gilbert. Uh, there's concerns with Logan Gilbert, though, because I, I feel like this, this stuff isn't as good as advertised, that, uh, that, the, that the Mariners are so entrenched on training these guys to be co high-command artists that the stuff isn't as uh, lightning as it, as it should be. And he plays in a very hitter, uh, uh, sorry, pitcher friendly ballpark in Seattle, but he's going to be top ten in home runs as well. So, but you know, the bad pitchers are bad because they're bad. The good pitchers, despite the fact that they give up a lot of home runs, they're still good. I think. Well, and it can't be perfect either. Just you know, I mean, like there's going to be Paul, these for instance, he's going to give up home runs. I mean, especially where Yankee Stadium is facing left-handed pitching. I mean, come on. In points leagues, Joe Ryan. Now again, these are just projections. So you you tell me if you believe in those projections or not. But in in my points league, he he's a top twenty five pitcher. Uh, I I would take him over Dylan Cease. I wouldn't take him over Tyler Glassnow. Maybe I would take him over Chris Bassett. Uh, and definitely take him over Tyree Scoopal. I never liked Merrill Kelly, but I've been trying to train myself to accept Kelly's Merrill on my Kelly. list. Yeah, yeah, Kelly's on the list, and. I'll yeah, he showed what. me some things last year. Go ahead. Yeah, well, he said that you know he eats. He, he he's an inning eater. He's boring. That's what their thing is. Their outlook on him. He's boring, but he eats innings. And someone that's reliable, you know, when you hit like mid season and you need a pitcher badly, he's still there. You know, so um, um, forgive me, I forgot what the e, what does ECR mean? Do you remember that? Uh, expert consensus rankings. So, right, so the, he was he was at one forty eight, which was, I guess was better than the, the uh, ADP. So that's I'm sorry, the note took. Who was at one forty eight? I'm sorry. Um, Merrill Kelly. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah. So, but again, you know, again, nothing you know phenomenal about him, but just he just eats innings supposedly. So. Yeah, but as you can see, average draft position has Joe Ryan as a 91th best player going. I would take him over Justin Steele. If you guys can see my screen, I'm looking at ADP now. I would take uh, easily take him without hesitation over Justin Steele, over Alexis Diaz, the closer. Definitely over Dylan Cease, who I'm not very high on. Uh, I, I just think that it might be time for the White Sides to consider him being the closer. If they're not going to, they, they want a hefty price for Dylan Cease, they're not going to get it. Xander Bogarts, yeah, playing with a Xander Bogarts playing, and that's another guy you had questions about. Uh, Xander Bogarts playing on a, what looks to be a pitcher friendly ballpark. Uh, the one thing I do like about Xander Bogarts coming in is it sounds like he's going to be the everyday second baseman. He's already listed as a shortstop, so Xander right. Bogarts at second base suddenly becomes a player that I want. Right, and he's and he's you know possible twenty twenty guy with high batting average, so that's why uh, yeah. that that's what the, they were you know talking about with him. Yeah, but do I believe he could be that guy at this point? I, I think a lot of the stuff that happened with Xander Bogarts when, when he was in Boston, uh, where at one point he was like the guy to get uh, if you were looking for um, doubles. 
like he was the most consistent doubles machine out there for a point in his career. Why? And it's a lot of it has to do with the green monster. I don't think uh, you know, the uh the Padres ballpark plays up to his uh strengths. But as you can see, points leagues, they still Ariel Cohen still believes in him, top 45 player ahead of Mike Trout, Dansby Swanson, guys like of that nature, right? So again, it just depends if you believe in I, I I'm I, I I will be very conservative with Xander Bogarts just because of the situation that he's in right now in San Diego. But you can't deny that he can potentially get to a 279 batting average. If you're in an on-base league, he can get to a 348 on base. 784 for a shortstop uh, in terms of the ops, the on-base plus slugging percentage. That's respectable. 340 Woba, 115 WRC plus. That's a 15% better than league average. Uh, and so, yeah. And so maybe we are selling him a little low. Fantasy leaguers are. But for good reason. And it's because San Diego is proving to be not a very happy place to play, apparently. And, you know, it's. I still think it's a pitcher-friendly ballpark, despite the fact that they tried moving in the fences uh, uh, almost a decade ago. And you're still getting the same results because of all the reasons we talked about in previous episodes. Southern California, sea level, denser air, you know. And, and tougher matchups, too. The Diamondbacks, Giants, uh, the Dodgers, they, they, they come with they come packing with pitchers. Well, maybe not so much the Giants, but you play in San Francisco. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> There's a reason why J.D. Martinez did not want to play with them, despite the fact that they were offering him a lot of money to play for them. J.D. Martinez looked at that ballpark and he says, nah, and... and Probably the uh, the high senator living in San Francisco. And J.D. Martinez probably went, no, nah, man, I'm not moving here. Screw this. But I would take, uh, who are we talking about? Oh, Xander Borgards, right. So I guess I would take Xander Borgards over Joe Ryan. Uh, do I take Joe Ryan over Tristan Cassis? I do love me some Tristan Cassis. So in that regard, I would take Tristan Cassis over Joe Ryan. But I think Joe Ryan... Over Spencer Steer, or Steer, the Reds' uh, utility player there. I think I would take Joe Ryan over Spencer Steer, even though I like Spencer Steer. I think I would take Xander Bogarts over Spencer Steer. Definitely take both Ryan and Bogarts over Ketel Marte, Joe Musgrove. And then we get to this guy, Cole Reagans, is another guy you asked about. I've been very adamant that I do not want anything to do with Joe, uh, Cole Reagans. Interesting. Nothing. Okay. But like you're just like you. Every fantasy podcast i listen to is constantly singing the praises yeah that's i couldn't believe it yeah I was... and then i'm finding out in spring training that he, that he's lighting up that radar gun so now you got my interest so i've been moving him up a little bit in my and in, in, in some of my baseball leagues just for, just because now i'm intrigued let's oops wrong thing there let's see what uh the ariel cohen's uh projection state and and he's out there, top forty and uh, well, close to top forty in points leagues, according to my calculations. And uh, unfortunately, I, I don't want to bore you guys with the, what the, all these other numbers mean, but but just know that yeah, ten and nine record, eleven quality start. Well, that's a little low, but then maybe maybe that's the other uh, scarce uh, statistic, right, Harry? Quality starts. Let's find out since we're here. 17 is supposed to be the league leader, and Garrett Cole is supposed to get that, despite the fact that he's going to give up 26 home runs. Um, so, uh, so 17, how low do you want to go? Like, what's a respectable amount of quality starts you would want to get from your pitchers in 2024? Like, would you say 10? 
nine, eight? Well, like how many? Well, how low I do you want to go? You have to have at least near ten. No. Uh, all right. Well, sixty-nine pitchers. That's a nice number. Sixty-nine pitchers are projected to get, um, ten quality starts according to Ariel Cohen's system, the oh. ATC projections. Sixty-nine out of uh, how many pitchers are here? A lot. So, but and Cole Reagans is one of those pitchers, right? Yes. <sighs> Sorry, I'm just waiting for this thing to I think uh, I'm, I'm almost breaking my computer here with all the stats that I'm trying to run here. Here it is. Cole Reagan's number 41. 390 ERA, that'll play. 128 a whip, that'll play. I mean, it's pretty high, but for a Royals pitcher, you'll take that. 390 FIP, hey, it's below four, you'll take that. And he was going, uh, he was projected to do some relief pitching time, but at this point, he has to be the unquestionable ace of that team. 159 innings pitched, though, so that tells me that they're still working on his arm strength because I think he came up as a relief pitcher last year before the Royals thought, hey, we got something here. And I think he was part of that. Or I rolled this Chapman trade with the Rangers last season as well. Um, 170 strikeouts. I mean, the walk rate is a little high, but I expect that from a guy learning how to be a starting pitcher. So the strikeout per walk rate is pretty low at 260. I like to have that at least at three. Three and above the K per walk rate that you see there. That's highlighted. Yep. But you know, bare minimum 25% strikeout rates. I I I would love for all my starting pitches to have that bare minimum. They're not all gonna get it, but it'd be nice to have. So the projections are very kind to Cole Reagans. And maybe, maybe I am shortchanging it. Like I said, I have been moving him up. So let's go back to ADP where he is at number 100. I think I would definitely, where is he? There he is. Let me turn this off. I think I would take Cole Reagans over Musgrove. I would take him over Cattell Marte. I would take him over Spencer Steer. I'm hesitant to because I love Tristan Cassis so much. I, I want to make sure I get him at first base. Um, but I definitely would take him over Dylan Seas, even though they're probably going through the same rigors of, uh, you know, of starting pitching. Dylan Cease is, is, is hitting that wall. And all the things that made Dylan Cease a questionable prospect for years with the Cubs and a little bit with the White Sox are coming to fruition. Um, maybe he's a bounce back candidate. I don't know, but I just know that he's always had command issues and I, I want to get away from that. So maybe in that regard, I would take Cole, Cole Reagans over Dylan Cease. So I'll let someone else take Dylan Cease. I, I think I will take Cole Reagans over Alexis Diaz over Justin Steele. But I love Joe Ryan so much. There, There's my... My stop. I'm not taking Cole Reigns over Joe Ryan. I just love Joe Ryan too much. Definitely take him over Castellanos. Definitely take him over George Springer. I'm talking about Cole Reigns again. Take him over Gianni Diaz. Take him over Tanner Bidey. Take him over, uh, maybe not Paul Seawald. It's closer for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I think Paul Seawald's going to be the most valuable um, relief pitcher you can get this season. And I'll tell you why. You know, just a bit. Really? Let me. I'll tell you why. I, I mentioned this to Corey last week, uh, the last time we were talking here. He's a big Diamondbacks fan, and I think he was uh, shocked to how much I love Paul Sewell. I always liked Paul Sewell, even with the Mariners. But the problem with the Mariners is that they got so many bullpen options, and they had Andres Munoz as well. And they, they clearly they saw Andres Munoz being the ninth inning guy. That's why they basically told Paul Sewell to take a hike. And Paul Sewell became just the guy that put everything else in motion for that Diamondbacks bullpen, where everybody now knows their role. They can come in and they now expect, oh, I'm the seventh inning guy. I'm expected to pitch in the seventh inning. I'm the eighth inning guy. I expect to no more closer by committee. Paul Sewell is the 
unquestionable closer for the Diamondbacks. And I still think the Diamondbacks are still a raw young team that is gonna that has to uh they're gonna learn how to win a lot of tight ball games. And when you have a team like that that is gonna have to expect to win a lot of tight ball games, you need that you're gonna depend on this guy, a Paul Seawall, to come in and shut the effing door down. Right? I would yeah. not be surprised if he gets to 40 saves. That, that, some people are looking at me like, wow, that, that's crazy, Felipe. That's that's a lot. But um, that's how much I like Paul Seawald. I like the situation, and and he's he's. I know that Cole Reigns is not a relief pitcher, but he's going after Paul Seawald. Going after the top ten is just crazy to me. Crazy. I would take Paul Seawald over Alexis Diaz easily. Yeah. Okay. So there's. I mean, these are some good names, but I I think I would I would take Seawald over Alexis Diaz and put him in my top ten. Because Diaz has some issues of his own, and he plays in a hitter-friendly ballpark as well. So go ahead. I'm sorry, I've been talking a lot. Do you have any questions for me? No, I'm just just listening and learning. That's all. All right. I just don't eh, don't want this to be all. Well, Felipe just hogs up the air mic or the mic or the air or the. I, I can't. No, think I'll, I'll interrupt you if I if I find something. But no, fair. I'm just just learning. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I'm also stunned a little bit because I want to see where Paul Seawall projects. Because I don't have it on the spreadsheet, so I have to go on the website. So just bear with me. But I do like Paul. C- I do like Andres Munoz as well. But Munoz is coming with some injury risk. I don't care. Team Mexico for life. Let's go. Even though he didn't play in the WBC, he's still Mexican. He was still there in my mind. I am a big homer for that Team Mexico WBC World Baseball Classic. Um, tr- oh, there it is. Relief pitching. That's what I want to look at. So th- these are the ATC projections available at Fangraphs. And uh, let's see, Paul Seawald. Well, even Ariel doesn't like him. Where the hell is he? I don't see him. Do you see him? I don't see him. Okay, well, okay. Well, it, this is uh, based on war, but we don't care about war. We want saves. Yeah, uh, Ariel also believes that he'll be a top 12 relief pitcher. I think I would take Seawald over Canley Jansen over Alexis Diaz, not over Jordan Romano. I feel like Seawalt uh, has a little bit of uh, flaws compared to Jordan Romano and all these other guys. But yeah, after all of these guys are gone, Seawalt is will be will be had at a value on a really good team. I think he'll be in a lot of close close games where they have to depend on him to close the door in the ninth inning. So I think that's the sleeper that people are are, are ignoring at this point. So I understand why he's outside of the top 10, but I, I I definitely would sneak him in my top 10 over these guys right here, Diaz and Jansen. Definitely over Peter Fairbanks. I just don't like what the Rays do with their closer situation. It's just it's just too many. Now, if I'm in a whole league, yeah, give me all the race players, all the race pitchers, but on a saves-only league, I'm avoiding that like the plague. I might be wrong, but I just, I don't want, I don't want committees, man. So I don't want to deal with that nonsense. Um... Anyway, who? Why are we? Oh, right. Because uh, why are we talking about Paul Sewell? Because we were looking at the overall, and we were thinking about who we would draft ahead of, or who we would get Cole Reagans over. Right? We would draft Cole Reagans over a lot of guys, but I wouldn't take him over Paul Sewell. That's just me, though. You guys can do whatever you want, but I'm not Paul Sewell, not Joe Ryan, right? Yeah, I, I just like Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan's, I, I think his control is just too too valuable. Now people would come back. Well. You're 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 screwing the pooch here, but I don't care. I, I Joe Ryan's a guy I've been keeping an eye on for years, and it, after the way I see it, I've known about him for so long. It, it's now taking 
even some of the fantasy experts this long to realize that Joe Ryan is a bona fide starting pitcher, but they want to bring up home runs. All right, well then, I'll t I'll, I'll take that risk. Do I take uh, Cole Rings over Evan Carter? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it all I mean they both have about equal amount of time, relatively speaking, in Major League Baseball. But Reagans has a slight edge, and he's a pitcher, so there's a little bit more. Um, if if both of these guys are high risk because of their lack of experience, then I'll take Reagans as the pitcher because good pitching always bits good hitting, right? And Evan Carter, if Evan Carter fails in Texas, the Rangers have they have options, right? They'll easily replace him. They don't have time to uh, grow a player like Evan Carter's stature for too long because they do have options and they're in win now mode. They got a championship to defend, so. And uh, yeah, all these other guys, Bryson Stott, Cesar, Suzuki, even Sonny Gray. I do love Sonny Gray, but I think uh, at this point, you, you would easily take the high upside of Cole Reagans. So I hope that answers your questions about Cole Reagans. Yeah, it does. Uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Bobby Miller. Oh, man, I love me some Bobby Miller last year. He was in my top five, I believe, in my prospects list last year, which segues to Manny's uh, question about who will be the best Miller, Bobby Miller, Mason Miller, or Bryce Miller. Looks like Bryce uh, Mason Miller is projected to be the default closer in Oakland, which that's just crazy to me because this whole time, People were hyping up Mason Miller as the guy for the Oakland to take that that starting rotation from being uh, like subpar, awful, the worst thing imaginable in, in the world to now being the closer because of injuries, inconsistencies, and he just doesn't have the command. The, basically, the Dylan C's of the Oakland Athletics, right? So... Oakland is basically nipping that in the butt. I I don't even have Mason Mason Miller on this list because he, he he's gonna be on on the relief pitcher list. So as soon as I get that up and running, he'll be on that list. He's projected to get 18 saves according to the roster resource fan def, fan graph step chart. Um, so if you believe in Mason Miller, go ahead. I mean, the way I think of Mason Miller as Cole Reagan's going completely wrong, right? But Cole Reagan showed that he can survive uh, every five days as a starting pitcher last year. Mason Miller could not. like, So that's why Mason Miller is now on the bullpen. And he pitches for a bad, bad team. So the question is, who's the best Miller? Uh, I would put Mason Miller at the number three spot. Now it just leaves us with Bobby Miller and Bryce Miller. There's Bobby Miller, top 36 pitcher in fantasy points according to ATC projections. And Bryce Miller, who's number 77. Bobby Miller plays on a better ballpark, uh, sorry, better team. Uh, and he's more refined than Bryce Miller. I think Bryce Miller's still a, a, a um, I love Bryce Miller, but he's still a, a, a work in progress. But would I take Bryce Miller over Tyon Walker, over Brady Singer, over Patrick Sandoval, over Sean Manaya, over Nestor Cortez? You goddamn, you're, you're damn right I will. I am taking Bryce Miller over all of these guys, except maybe for, yeah, even Tristan McKenzie. I'll take him, Bryce Miller. I'll take Bryce Miller over Mackenzie Gore, over Dane Dunning, maybe not over Brian Wu, his teammate. So, But these guys, I'm telling you right now, if, if there's a pair of pitches you want to get in baseball, these are the guys I'm trying to get in baseball, Bryce Miller and Brian Wu. Just the high strikeouts are there. There is potential that they can uh, control their pitches. It's the Mariners. 
So you know they're they're they they've they've been uh known to develop their pitchers just you know the quote unquote right way. And like I think I talked to you about this last time as the Mariners do a all they do is make sure that yeah, you have a good fastball, good secondary pitches, but can you command? Do you have good command? Because we're not spending all this money on guys who can't command their pitches. And I think Bryce Miller and Brian Wu are a product of that. So I'm all in on those guys. So, yeah, actually, these guys are ranked really low, Bryce Miller and Brian Wu. I would take these guys over a lot of the guys on the bottom of that list, as you see right there. Oh, yeah, easily. I would push these guys way up in top 60. That's just me, though. I love those guys. What does ADP say, though? Let's go back to the ADP page. I hope you guys are having fun with me just going back and forth with these windows, right? I go from the spreadsheet to the website. All right, so who's the first guy? Bryce Miller, right? One Number 180. That's criminal, man. That's To me, that's criminal. I would take him. I would take Bryce Miller over James Altman, over Nolan Gorman, or uh, Jackson Holiday might be the wild card here. That might be the wild card. And, and you, well, well, I guess someone should have Jackson Holiday on, on their team, right? Uh, in your league? Probably. Yeah, so... You Darvish, I think you Darvish might have a bounce back year this year, but do I want to do I want to depend on a, on a guy in his late thirties pitching on a on a very suspect team? Probably not. So Bryce Miller, it is. Go ahead. That's the thing in my league that like uh, you don't have to you know uh, keep your keepers until March seventeenth, and then the draft is the twenty fourth. So I really, it's tough to for me to kind of scout where I want to go yeah. with things. With I don't know who's keeping what. So it's kind of tough. Well, and again, you go back to your projections, your visualization, your guts. I mean, yeah. all the yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm just saying it's just a waiting game until I yeah. can get there. same. I mean, I'm in the same situation you are with my other keeper league. Uh, but but I I just you know I treat everything like uh, everything's a fresh start, and then I'll worry about who's being kept later. You know, so Bryce Miller, he might be someone's keeper in a lot of leagues, but if it was a, if this was a redraft league, I would take Bryce Miller over all these guys. That you see here, maybe not Hunter Brown, but maybe up to Tommy Edmund, I would take him. Definitely over Jake Berger. I'm I'm not a fan of Jake Berger. So yeah, and then Christian Javier, I think that's a tough one. I mean, that's a good trio of pitchers though: Christian Javier, Hunter Brown, and uh, Bryce Miller. Go ahead, I, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, that's fine. Uh, Jake Berger's on the under undervalued list as well. It's funny. Yeah, I know people love Jake. Jake. I just man, I just. Seeing him with the white size, he just doesn't do anything for me. And oh well, Felipe, you're missing on the home runs. That's fine. You guys go ahead and get your home runs. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not depending on a guy who all that's that's a one dimensional player. All he does is hit home runs. Well, Felipe, well, Felipe you're being stupid. That's a, that's an important thing about. I'm sorry. I let's go. Let's take a look. ATC projections. Oh, wrong spreadsheet. Hold on a bit. Where is Jake Berger on this list? I'm pretty sure he's ranked high. Number 91. Uh, 250. Yeah, number 91 overall in fantasy points. You know, 20, 30 home run. No stolen bases. But there, 311 on base. Can't live with that. I can't do it. I can't do it. Seven, okay, 790 is respectable, but 790 for, from a power guy? Uh, I'm sorry, dude. If you're supposed to have all this power... You should be over 800. You should be where Marcelo Zuna is at 807. Doesn't he play like third base, Berger? Uh, he should, depending on your league. 
He yeah, should qualify. Third, yeah, third or first, I thought something like that. I could be wrong. Yeah, so and he's a corner infielder too. I mean, oh, not for me, man. I I just can't. I can't win with him. I can't do it. Won't do it. I I, I love quoting that Mike Singletary. I I always butcher it though. I'm pretty sure that's not the way you do it. Um, what else? Where's his isolated? Po- yeah, 27 strikeout. I don't. I can't live with that. Can't do it. The the 228 isolated power is legit though. I mean, the guy is. He, it's all power, and that's it. But he doesn't provide anything else. So just like there's one-dimensional players that's stolen base, there is such a thing as one-dimensional players in my book from the home run perspective as well. And I just I don't I don't want to deal with those guys. But but I mean I'd rather have Isaac Paredes and like Isaac Paredes. Oh, come on, Felipe. But Isaac Paredes. I mean, well, let's let's take a look, right? We're looking at things. Okay, Burger might get you. Okay, the, the thing is that. Berger is guaranteed playing time in Miami unless he gets hurt again or or, or the Marlins just completely go um, youth movement. And then Berger gets traded to a good team where he's going to be a bench piece. And Paredes, as you know, with the Tampa Bay Rays, they shuffle their lineup a lot. They have players. They got Junior Caminero coming up. So is Paredes going to be the odd man out? But the thing about Paredes is he could play all over the infield. Maybe not maybe not shortstop, but he could play third base, second base, first base. Maybe some outfield if you're lucky. So, but there is that playing time uh, discrepancy. So that's why, even though Berger is a, I think he's a much poorer hitter than Paredes. He's gonna hit more singles, more doubles, hell, more triples, just because he lives, he he plays in that gargantuan stadium, more home runs. So all the county stats have it for Berger. Even the batting average advantage Berger. But here's where it gets interesting. Paredes is supposed to have a bit higher on base percentage. Similar ops, higher weighted on base average, despite the fact that Berger is supposed to have more counting stats in the, in, the, in those uh, other in those power departments like doubles and triples and home runs. Paredes is supposed to do it on a on a slightly more consistent, uh, more consistent uh, relatively to playing time, on a slightly more consistent uh, rate. WRC plus, which anything over a hundred is good. So Jake Berger is 10% is projected to be 10% better than league average. Redis is at 14% better than league average. And despite the this uh this WRC is the uh the counting stat of WRC plus. Are you with me so far, Harry? I'm sorry, I didn't yep. mean to I didn't mean to turn this into a math test or a math. No, quiz. no, go ahead. No, I'm I'm following. Despite the fact that Berger has more playing time, it's the this it's not that big of a difference between 78.9 and 75.6, right? But the most important thing I love about Paredes is he knows his strike zone, man. He'll walk as much as he strikes out, and he won't strike out this many times. Right, where so Burger's, getting... Burger's walk rates were uh, lower and his strike, strikeout rates higher. It's terrible. Yeah, and similar isolated power. And guess what Paredes gives you? He gives you a chunk load of contact percentage. If you ever look at Paredes's contact rates, they're pretty high for a guy who all he does is that's another guy who all he does is goes out there and tries to hit home runs. But he gets more contact. And and, and that's a that's that's a that's a that's more of a Tampa Bay thing for putting him in a position to succeed. Uh so the other thing you could come and tell me, well, that's the thing that he's not trusted enough to get that playing time, right? But the lack of playing time. And he's still getting similar power numbers, similar production. 
as a Jake Berger, but without the strikeouts. Now, if you play in a Roto League, by all means, get Berger. Get a hot dog, too, and a beer, Seth Beer, and a Jake Fry. Me, personally, I don't want any of that. I will live and die with Isaac Paredes every single day. And just out of curiosity, where is Isaac Paredes? Number 159. Where was Berger? I think he was in the top 100, right? Oh, 169. Oh, what the hell? Paredes is ranked higher? Well, there you go. <laughs> wow. There you go. Even, even, even the... Even the fantasy baseball leaguer across all platforms do not want to deal with Jake Berger. So it's not just a me problem. It's an everybody problem here. And yeah, I, I think I would take down Jake Berger just a notch. Maybe I'll put him ahead, I'll put him behind Hunter Brown and maybe ahead of Tommy Edmond. Despite the fact that Tommy Edmond is protected to get stolen bases. But I just I'm I'm very sour on him. And I don't think it yeah, I just don't I don't want to deal with Tommy Edmond this year. So that that's one other player down. Who else is on your list? Oh, did we talk about Bobby Miller? Oh, I said that Bobby Miller would be the best player, but I'm I'm high on Bryce Miller. So right, but Bobby Miller, yeah. but Bobby Miller, uh, last year he only played. Um, uh, I don't think he played the full season, and that was his first taste of Major League Baseball. I'm a little concerned that now he's going into like, uh, he's going into um, his first full season of Major League Baseball. Dodgers, they tend to baby their prospect pitchers. I mean, even when they baby them, they still get hurt. Tony Gonsolin is hurt. Um, Dustin May is hurt. So, and Walker Buehler got hurt, and he was, man, they took care of him. Clayton Kershaw is hurt, and they gave him a lot of time off. They started going with a six-man rotation because of Clayton Kershaw late last season. But there he is, middle of the rotation, Bobby Miller. They're going to need him. But only projected to get 144 innings pitched. So it just depends. I, I, I'm I, skipping Bobby Miller. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, but let's see. Where is Bobby Miller on this list? That's Bryce Miller, Mason Miller, Shelby Miller, Owen Miller, Bobby Miller, number 84. Okay, so he's not that far off. Uh, Kodai Senga is hurt. I think I would take David Bednar over Bobby Miller. O'Neill Cruz. Oh, boy, I'm turning into Tony Romo here. That's one of them, uh, it's one of them $100,000 questions. I think Bobby Miller, just because pitching is at a premium, I think I would roll the dice with Bobby Miller. And I'll regret it later. You think Bobby Miller over Joe Ryan? I was get, just getting to that. Ah, oh, shoot, man. Sorry. That's a tough one. Oh, boy. Ah, <laughs> oh, boy, 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 boy. I think for the price, I'm going to, there's a cop out answer. I will skip on Bobby Miller and get somebody else like a David Bettnar or uh, if a Jordan Romano falls to me or if a Zach Eflin falls to me, I would take those guys that were Bobby Miller. And I love Bobby Miller. I just don't like the situation. I would take a David Bettnar. I might consider O'Neill Cruz. Yeah, you love Bettnar. You brought that up. Multiple I love the upside of Yuri Press, but it's the same situation. But at least Bobby Miller plays for a winning team. But I think I'll just skip on all those. I might skip on Bobby Miller and take my chances on Joe Ryan later. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it just depends. Do you guys like any of these guys uh, within a five-pick radius? Is he better than Zach Elfland? I don't think he is at this point of his career. Not better than Jordan Romano. Jazz Chisholm, if he's healthy and his head sounds straight and – You'll you'll live with the bad rates and the high strikeouts for those home runs and stolen bases, 
Brian Reynolds is very steady. I I don't even like Brian Reynolds, but if I want to play it safe, I'm picking Brian Reynolds over Bobby Miller. If I'm desperate for pitching, I'm picking Bobby Miller, right? But yeah, that that's I don't know, man. Just having Bobby Miller, it's just I, I don't I wouldn't feel comfortable. You know what I mean? If he even if he's yeah. like my second or third best best pitcher on my team, Bobby Miller on my team is just something went wrong. <laughs> okay. That's fair enough. Yeah, and, and I, I like I said, I love. I, I just, I don't know, man. I just. Mm. What about uh, Bailey O'Bear? Ah, uh, it's a guy I really love, and the price is right. And the, the, now I switched over to the to the um, starting pitcher list just to give me an idea. So he's going as the twenty fourth best pitcher, and eighty fourth overall. Ah, uh, I mean. I think Joe Ryan's more valuable. I think I would take Joe Musgrove this fight. I don't like Joe Musgrove this year, but the price is right compared to Bobby Miller. Same thing with Cole Reagans. You take Reagans over Bobby Miller? At this price, yeah. Okay. I would. I, I think I would skip Bobby Miller to get Cole Reagans. I mean, it's the same situation. Uh, I know Bobby Miller plays for a winning team, but I think the Royals are just, they got nothing to lose, and they're just going to use the crap out of him. Right. And And you'll get your counting stats in that way. I think Bobby Miller can provide you some decent um, rate stats. I think the frustration will be in the usage, right? Because the Dodgers, they have so much depth. They, I could see where, oh, we had him, we had Bobby Miller slated to start on Tuesday. But we changed our minds. We're going to have him give him an extra day of rest. We're going to get him, we, we get him starting on Thursday instead. And that just messes up everything about it, right? You just set your lineup and you thought you were going to get a Tuesday-Sunday matchup if you're in a weekly league. Right. Now you're only getting one start. and Oh, and it's against the uh, Diamondbacks. Like, oh, well, that's great. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Thanks so much, Dodgers. The Dodgers don't give a key. Whereas R Reagans, the Royals have no choice. They got nobody. I think they're going to give them. Uh, you might suffer a little bit, but you're going to get your strikeouts. You're going to get your innings pitched. Um, The race sets, the race sets might suffer, but the potential's there. Right. And and like I said, I I I love Bobby Miller more than I like Cole Reagans, but at that price, I I don't know. I just, and but again, these are tough questions to ask, and these aren't tough answers to give. I love Yuri Perez at six eight, playing for the Marlins, but he's just as unproven as Bobby Miller. But I'm more excited yeah. about getting Yuri Perez at number as my twenty six best pitcher at pick number ninety than I am about Bobby Miller uh, six six picks ahead of him. Joe Ryan is a guy I've been keeping an eye on for years. I'll take Bobby Miller over Justin Steele, though. I think Justin Steele um, was more fluky than good last year. I'll take Bobby Miller over Dylan Cease. Joe Musgrove at pick number 99, I think that's the price is right for him compared to Bobby Miller. I don't feel as good because of the upside, lack of upside, and Musgrove looked like he's exhausted at this point, and I don't know how much more he can give. But at pick number 99, price might be right. Same thing with Cole Reagans. I think I will take Bobby Miller over Tanner Bobby. I think Miller has more uh, refinement. Uh, Sonny Gray, uh, he's I loved Sonny Gray, but I think he's on the decline a little bit, and he's playing for a really bad Cardinals team. Price is right. I'll pick number one hundred and ten, but I think Bobby Miller might be the smarter play there. Chris Bassett uh, is an innings eater, but he plays in a very tough division, very hitter friendly division. But at pick number 117, the price is right, right? Pound for pound, is he better than Bobby Miller? I don't think he is. But you know what the Blue Jays are going to do with with Chris Bassett? 
Every five days, you know where Chris yeah. Bassett's pitching. Yeah, he's going to go out there, right? Same thing with Justin. Well, I don't know about Justin Verlander. Who knows? Justin Verlander, but you know, how old is Verlander? Like 38, 39? 40, uh, 40? Yeah. Like he's up there, right? He's up there in age, yeah. I, I think he's 40. And I think he's coming back from injury. I forgot what the injury was. Um Verlander, yeah, he's on the shelf at the moment with a shoulder soreness for the 41-year-old Justin Verlander. Oof. But uh, as the 35th best pitcher, I picked number one, 126. You would take him over. I think you have to take him over Hunter Green, over Walker Bueller, over Kyle Bradish, maybe over Merrill Kelly, maybe over Chris Sale. Even Justin Verlander at the age of 41 with shoulder soreness still is a more surefire selection than some of these guys that I just listed here. As as you can see, pitching gets murky once you get to the top 40, once you get past the top 40, which brings us to Bailey over. The 45th best pitcher. Overall pick number 161. And we'll we'll start uh, wrapping up things. I, I I know we've been gone for uh, going for a long time here as well. Uh, Bailey over six nine two sixty pounder, just like every Twins pitcher known to man, control artist. The strikeouts will be lacking, but you're not. He's not walking a lot of guys. The WHIP is going to be respectable. He had a WHIP of one point zero seven last year. Wow. Yeah. Now ATC thinks there's going to be some regression, so they, they got him at 1.17 projection. I, I I would be happy with a 111, 112 middle ground. You know, the, the, he, there's going to be a dip in strikeouts, but a guy that that big with 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 respectable stuff that he has and with the command that he has, I think he could, I think he could go. He can get as close to nine strikeout per nine innings, right? But the walks are going to be kept in check. The race stats are going to be they should be good. What's his ERA projection? It's where is it? Where the hell is it? Where the hell is it? Where the hell is it? There it is. Oh, 407. Okay, so so our the projections think there's gonna be some regression there, but the twins should be good, right? So run support's gonna be there. I like him. So I, 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 I like, like him. him a lot. I like him a lot. Especially compared to some of these other I like Michael King too, but at least Ober has more experience as a starting rotation guy. I think Michael King is they the Padres are using him out of desperation, and he's going to he, learn. He, he was mentioned in the same like yeah in the same podcast like not even like five minutes apart like <laughs> a very very similar you know conversation per se, mm -hmm. um but kind of said the same thing you said that it was kind of like a savior situation like like you know kind of being used as a resort last resort type thing rather than uh. Rather than being, you know, someone that was solidified in the rotation, Cole Reagan's light, right? Yeah, Cole Reagan's light. The so the upside is there. I know the Yankee. I think he was a former Yankee player, right? I think he was part of that one solo deal. Yep. So the, the Yankees always liked them, but they just didn't. I mean, Michael King never helped himself because he was. There were times where he showed dominance, and other times where he just got shellacked. Sometimes, I mean, relative to his potential. Just wasn't consistent enough. Excuse me, but I do like him with the Padres. I just think there's going to be a, a a learning curve, but for the price at number one forty seven, I think I would take Michael. I think I've I've uh, uh, moved him up in a lot of my rankings over some of these guys that are in front of him, like like a Shane Beaver, Mitch Keller. Like I know that 
the Padres. I've mentioned how the Padres are a pretty toxic organization at this point. I used to be a big believer in them, but I, I think from a pitching standpoint, the Padres can still work wonders for pitchers like Michael King. Right? Just for because big ballpark, West Coast, sea level, all the things that we talked about. Number three, just like Bobby Miller, the number three pitcher there. But you're getting him at, uh, what would that be, almost 60 picks later, I think. Can't beat that, actually. I mean, and the projections are nice enough where you you have to kind of buy in on that. 183 strikeouts and 156 innings pitch, according to the uh, depth chart projections over at Fangraphs, with a 368 ERA. And you can say, well, that's because they think that he's going to be a, a relief pitcher. Nope, 24 games starts. So if he's going to be a relief pitcher, it's not going to be for long. And the Pirates don't have anyone else. I mean, Pedro Avila, who? Randy Vasquez. I know who that guy is, and I've actually moved him up a little bit in my rankings because of that situation. Luis Patino, I mean, I think his days as a, as a starting pitcher are pretty much gone. He's listed as a long relief guy over at the uh, Fangraphs uh, roster resource. Let me show it to you guys. There's a bullpen for the San Diego Padres. I mean, it, it seems like it's going to be uh, Michael King or Bust. Where's the starting pitcher? Adrian Morajon. I mean, that's a guy that they've been waiting on since forever and a day. I think he's going to be in the bullpen if he ever gets called up. Johnny Brito, eh, whatever. Jay Groom, that's uh, you you probably know him because of uh, he was a Red Sox farmhand for a long time with a lot of promise. There's no way Jay Groom's better than Michael King. Glenn Otto, I think that's another former Yankee, former Ranger. I know Sean, my former podcast partner, loved him a lot when he was uh, going up. Uh, the minor leagues for a while. He's always let you down once he gets a chance in the majors. I'd be shocked if Glenn Otto sees any time with the Padres this year. Well, maybe I shouldn't because, you know, you never know. But if it's because Michael King is inconsistent, so they got to bring up Glenn Otto, that would be the shocker. Like, I would not be – like, nothing will shock me. If Glenn Otto makes it and he's like the a spot starter or is a bullpen guy, I can believe that. If he's in there because Michael King shot the bed – I would be really shocked. Yeah, Drew Thorpe is another guy. Yeah, the former Yankee farmhand. That's in Double A though. So, do we do, do we really want to trust a Double A guy to come in and save the Padres? No, it's the Michael King show. Let's go. Sorry, moving back up here. Moving back up here. I'm tired. The computer's tired. <laughs> Michael King, there he is. Yeah, I mean. It's the Michael King show. There's no way. There's nobody else there for the Padres. They got to trust the guy unless they make a big trade or or they sign Jordan Montgomery or, or a guy like that. So so that's Michael King. The price is right. And, uh, yeah, so I, I would be very happy if I get a combination of these two guys here, Michael King and Bailey over. But what about Jose Barrios? That's a tough one now, isn't it, Harry? And Carlos Rodon too. I mean, these are these are established starting pitching veterans. You know what to expect from them, but they do play in in very tough divisions. I know that there's a more balanced schedule nowadays, but it's still pretty tough. Yeah, I'm not. I'm a Yankee fan. I'm not even sold on Carlos Rodon. Like, uh, it's, yeah, it's, there's injury it's, concerns. It's yeah, and Jose Barrios. I mean, last year was a nice bounce back year, but can he do it again? I mean, people had given up on him. And they're not even sold to the fact that guys like Michael King and Bailey Over are being drafted ahead of him. 
And there's upside guys like Bryce Miller, Gavin Williams there. Eduardo Rodriguez going to a better situation in Arizona now. You got the two Astros pitchers right here, Christian Javier and Hunter Brown. So I, I think if I'm, I'm, I'd be happy if I can get a combination of Michael King and Bailey over my teams uh, to uh, kind of solidify my rotation. Let's go back to the overall. Who were the other guys on that list? And we'll do a couple more, and then we'll call it a day. Well, on the original list I had for pitchers? Whatever. Whatever. Just give me a player, any player. I don't care. Oh. Now that's it from the sleeper standpoint. Then we had the under undervalued players. So like Bogarts, Ryan, which you talked about, Hernandez. Yeah, we talked a little bit about same thing with Jake Berger. Uh Nick Pavetta is on the on that list. Bailey right. Ober. We already talked about Ober. Merrill Kelly, you really really weren't a fan of, you said. Uh, um, I'm I'm learning, Carrie. I'm learning to uh accept Merrill Kelly into my life, but I mean the situation has to be perfect for me. That's just me. No, I get it. Um, but, the kid, uh, the kid in San Francisco, Estrada. Ethereal oh Estrada. man, he's 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 on the undervalued list. Uh, Cedric Mullins. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. So let me, let me uh let me see if I can do lightning round. Uh, so you mentioned Eduardo Julian as well. Uh, potential high contact, like a like a Luis Arias, but with more uh counting stats available of uh, uh, production. Right. right. That's that potential, but it's still uh uh he's gonna be learning on the job and uh. Yeah, here it is. Let me go here. So six, I'd be shocked if he gets to sixteen home runs. To be honest, uh, but there's not much stolen base, even though he kind of profiles as a guy who should be seeing a lot of bases, just from a prospect grade standpoint. But yeah, uh, he's supposed to be a high contact guy. Uh, who I believe he's the guy who limits the strikeouts for the Twins. If this guy, if this thing could cooperate with me a little bit, let me see what this. Oh no, this is the guy who. Uh, Will walk a lot, but he'll also strike out a lot off of, out of a second baseman. That's not good. Uh, I mean, the batting eye is respectable, and and he's a a, a prospect in learning. But that's the thing you got to deal with those growing pains as he enters his first full season of Major League Baseball. If you believe that he's going to strike out twenty nine percent of the time out of a second baseman, uh, then I don't want him. If you believe that his contact rates are going to be uh, high and that should lead to more batted balls and more singles and, and more production in that manner, then that's a guy you, you go and get me. I probably won't not this year, not for me. And again, you got to ask yourself, well, who else is out there? I mean, Trevor story, he might have a, be a bounce back candidate. Wilson Contreras, you know how much I love Wilson Contreras, a catcher. I think he has one more good year out of, you can get one more good year out of him. Uh, not a big fan of Luis Renjifo, but the angels might not have anyone else there. So he might be, uh, a guy you uh, might chase, but yeah, I'm not a big fan of any of these hitters anyway. So I guess in that regard, you take that high upside, but still, I mean, yeah, if I'm getting any of these players, I'm in deep trouble. <laughs> if I'm stuck with any, I don't like any of these guys. I try to avoid, this is like the dead zone. This is the running back dead zone, right? It's the yeah, heading gotcha. dead zone. Um, So that's Edouard Julian, uh, who, Nick Pavetta, Nick Pavetta is always a curious case because Nick Pavetta has always shown, even when, when he was at the Phillies, he's always been a guy that can get you all types of wonderful things. Like the rate stats are always through the roof. He, I Just always something holds him back. There's a 425 ERA projection, a 418 FIP projection, which for a guy with his skill set, the fact that he can't get anything below four is kind of a red flag. And we don't know what the Red Sox are doing. I think Pavetta might be in the rotation, but I wouldn't be surprised if they... Pavetta, we need you be, to be back in the bullpen. We need Garrett Wilcock to get more starts, so we're going to put you back in the bullpen. And 
So on paper, I do like Nick Pavetta's potential as a dependable starting pitcher. I mean, there's a double-digit strikeout per nine. As you can see, Harry, he's the only guy in the sea of players that is projected to get double-digit strikeout per nine, aside from Hunter Green. But everybody else below 10. Pavetta, and, and all his shortcomings, is supposed to be above 10. And 27% strikeout rate. But there's always something holding him back. And we, I mean, it's a $100,000 question, right? Do you get Nick Pavetta over Bobby Miller? I think at that point I would get Bobby Miller over Nick Pavetta. I think I would get Nick uh, Bobby Miller over Jose Barrios. Do I get him over Eduardo Rodriguez? Mm, I I will reluctantly say pick Bobby Miller over Eduardo Rodriguez, right? Uh, but yeah, okay. so Pavetta's a wild card, man. It just depends if you like the situation in Boston and if you think he's going to be consistent and healthy enough to be there. Just know that the these Red Sox are, do have options. Go ahead. These are just players that are undervalued per their ranking, like where they're being taken. That's what this is. This is the, the whole episode that I, I listened yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. 13 I, undervalued players. So it's. I understand not, that. Yeah. I'm not saying that any of them are, you know, the right pick at that right spot. I'm just trying to feel out, you know, where I can get a steal from, you know what I mean? By yeah. Because I'm taking over a team, I you know, that yeah. I, I didn't have last year. I mean, next year it all resets regardless. It doesn't matter. So I'm right, not right, stuck right. with them, you know, after this. It's a whole refresh after this year. So I'm just trying to find a way of getting ahead. That's all. Yeah, same thing. But, I mean, I like Nick Pavetta. I just, I don't know what to make of him. I mean, right now he's penciled in as a number two guy, according to Roster Resource. Ahead of a, a project like Brian Bello, who's still working on that fastball command. A guy like Cutter Crawford, who saw time in the bullpen and then started. I mean, they go back and forth. Same thing with Tanner Hoke. They see time in the bullpen. They see time at starting. They see time in the bullpen. They see time. I don't know what the heck the Red Sox are doing. And they still got to figure out what to do with Garrett Wicklock. So I know they want to. They want him to be in the rotation, but they have no choice. They they need the bullpen arm. But I could see a situation where Pavetta, Crawford, and Hoke might go back and forth between, and. And can Pavetta stay healthy? That's the other thing, right? Cause, I mean, because he's always had high up, like relatively high upside, even with the Phillies. It's just it never amounts to anything. But I mean, here's the ADP. I mean, uh, do I pick Pavetta over Eloy Jimenez? I don't think this. And that's another guy, Jimenez, Eloy Jimenez with the White Sox. Injury risks, but you got to love him as a hitter. He's just a really nice, pure hitter. And that might be the steal. Now, the problem with Eloy Jimenez is that he probably will only qualify a designated hitter. Here, they have him listed as a right fielder, which is bonkers to me. <laughs> right, right, right. But if you're, look, if you're looking for a really good hitter, that might be the steal again. He's going really late in drafts. Uh, and um, because because of the fact that he can't stay healthy, he's for a lot of leagues, he only qualifies a designated hitter. People are scared to draft designated hitters because it, I, I understand it. it um it, it, it messes with their um what's the word I'm looking for with their versatility on their lineup, but just like Marcelo Zuna, I think Marcelo Zuna, I think he only qualified a designated hitter for a lot of leagues last year. He probably won you a lot of leagues last year, Marcelo Zuna, just from a DH standpoint. It doesn't stop people from getting Shohei Otani uh, early in the draft. So Eloy Jimenez, I still believe he could still get you at at his best case scenario upside. 30 home runs, 100 RBI, even with a bad White Sox team, he's still the best pure hitter on that team. So he might be worth the price of admission. Nick Pavetta over Nate Ovali. Nate Ovali I like a lot. Just can't stay healthy, and he's getting up there in age, and he's overused a lot. Um, so 
Nick Pavetta seems to be the fresher arm coming into the season. So I think I can justify picking Nate Pavetta. But at the same time, if Ovaldi is healthy, he plays on a better team. Just depends if you believe that Ovaldi is healthy. I mean, he looked pretty bad last year, uh, late in the season. Ovaldi did. August, September, I was benching him. I couldn't trust him anymore. So, hmm. Nate, is he better than, is Nick Pavetta better than Nate Lowe? Uh, Nate Lowe is, uh, if he can go back to his 25 home runs and uh, on a very powerful lineup with the Rangers, I think you would pick Nate Lowe. But Nate Lowe is starting to look like a soft hitting first baseman, like in the mold of Anthony Rizzo. And he's in his mid 20s. At least I can say, well, Rizzo's in his mid 30s. So, you know, age is catching up to him. At least I can use that as, as, as an excuse for Rizzo. What's Nate Lowe's excuse? Nate Lowe does play for a gargantuan stadium. But at the, I don't, I, I, I just don't know why he's not getting explosive numbers elsewhere. So that's right. kind of a red flag for me. Willie Adamas, uh, you know, low batting average guy, but he'll produce counting stats other in other ways. He's on, he's on the list too. Yeah, I, I, yeah. But then you know, do you get Noel? Do you get Willie Adams, a sure hand veteran, or Noelle Marte? I think I would get Marte. I just love Noelle Marte. He showed me some things last year in in his short um, in his short cup of coffee with the Reds last season. That's the that's the minor leaguer, right? That's the yeah. Isn't that the kid we talked about last time? Yeah, he's on your team, right? Yeah, yeah, he's one of my keepers. Oh man, I think you're 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 in for a nice surprise with him. Yeah, he's one of my keepers. Yeah. Uh, Nick Pavetta over Braxton Garrett for sure. Nick Pavetta over Jose Alvarado. If the Phillies are going to go with him as the closer, I think you got to get Alvarado. Even though Alvarado, I, I like Alvarado as a seventh, eighth inning left hand specialist. Not a big fan of him closing from a real perspective or, or a fantasy perspective. But if you're looking for saves late in the draft at number at pick number what what pick is this number one ninety three yeah yeah one ninety three. Uh, you could do a lot worse, and looks like the Phillies don't have anyone else anyway. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take those guys over Christopher Morrell, Ryan Pepio, Logan Ohapi. Catcher is important, but Logan Ohapi, as you know, is coming back from that, uh, that cat, that shoulder, that that freak shoulder injury that he suffered at the hands of the Yankees last year. Uh, and it goes back to Tyro Strada. It's one of those those one dimensional players I hate dealing with. Right? That's what those other guys we right. talked about last time. And on top of that, he's not projected to get a lot of uh, a high on base percentage. But and it's the Giants. Yeah, they could tell me that that Estrada is the starting second baseman all they want. But I know that the Giants like to. Now that Gabe Kapler's gone, and maybe maybe they had a change of heart. Maybe they'll go with a more set traditional lineup. Let's take a look at the roster resource as this thing loads up a little bit. How does that lineup look like for the Giants? Jung Hoo Lee. Keep an eye on that guy in very, very late in drafts. Don't sleep on him. He might be a thing in San Francisco. The one thing he has going is rookie, uh, plays in San Francisco. But they gave him a lot of money, so I can see him just being out there and producing in other ways. He's not going to get a lot of home runs, obviously, playing in San Francisco. I don't think he's projected to get a lot of stolen bases either. Let me see. Yeah, 10 home runs, 5 stolen bases. But if you're in an on-base percentage league, <laughs> that 350 and that 289 because I, I play in both batting average and on base this is going to do wonders for me I don't care what counting stats you get for me you're going to save my my team posting a 289 batting average and a 350 on base with a very respectable 423 slugging percentage projection I mean I, I think you will take that and 
you'll just get production elsewhere in non-traditional ways. Like maybe he'll get more triples and more doubles. Definitely more singles. So there's Tyro Estrada penciled in as a second baseman, right? 16 home runs, 20 stolen bases, but a 314 on base and a 260 batting average. So you're getting the counting stats out of a second baseman, but you're you're taking a hit at those rate stats. If you're happy to take those hits on the rate stats, by all means, have at it. I mean, I, I don't need a second baseman or a shortstop. I already got, you know, yeah, two two keepers that, you know, are, are pretty, in my opinion, studs. So it's just, again, someone that came up on the list, size manager, and put on them. Yeah, and then Matt Chapman. I don't like Matt Chapman. This is a – this is a take the letter L and put it right in Scott Boris's forehead. His other client, J.D. Martinez, did not want to play here. As uh, Manny says, you, you got to be a professional baseball player to afford living in San Francisco. Well, Matt Chapman, no one else wanted him but the Giants. So now he's stuck there. And I hope he likes that. I hope he makes the most out of that two-year deal. I think he signed a two-year deal with the Giants. Right? Three years. Whatever. Oh, three-year contract, whatever. I'm sure there's an out clause. But that's it. This is it for him. I don't think he's going to get to 23 home runs. Like, this is not a very good ballpark for him. And he strikes out a lot. Like, the value for him is going to be on the defensive side. But <clears throat> as you know, defense, that's the first thing that goes. That's the first thing that's noticeable on the decline is the defense. And I mentioned, I mentioned Chapman and Marco Luciano, who's also a, a, a project in progress, because Tyro Estrado has, can probably play all his other positions in the infield. And J.D. Davis is... <laughs> So the competition isn't as high because, I mean, Wilmer Flores can play second base, but at this point of his career, corner infield is more to his uh, to his uh, I comfort Wilmer level. Flores. Wow, yeah. he's still he's, playing. He's become a steady right-handed bat. I mean, look at this. 335 on base, 444 slugging percentage. Uh, a very formidable option against left-handed pitching. I, I, I depend on Wilmer Flores in a lot of my leagues just as, as temporary solutions. And, and as a matchup guy, yeah, if he's playing against lefties, I, I'm starting him. And if uh, Chapman goes down, Wilma Flores will be up there. So he's easily replaceable. Luciano, if Luciano sucks, then Tyro Strata will go to short. And Wilma Flores will play second. So Estrada seems to be the best infielder. But that's like saying, you know, not to get political, but... We'll, the Republican candidate and the Democratic candidate are the two best political candidates we have for president. That's not saying a lot. Many people will say, well, where's, why don't we have more options? Well, because you have Tyro Strada at second base. That's why. <laughs> yeah. So this is, now that goes back to the question. Now, Tyro Strada, you just saw that he could get you a lot of counting stats, but he, he will, you will take a hit on those rate stats. Is he better than Brandon Nimmo and who's another player? I thought I saw another player. Is he better than Brandon Nimmo? There's a guy who will keep your rate stats afloat, but won't give you much of counting stats, especially on out of the home run and stolen base territory. It Do you seems want... like it's like a Strata's more of a roto player than he yeah. is for a points player. Bingo. And in this in this projection, is does that theory hold water? Let's find out. Go back to the hitters. And I, I, I want to thank you for humoring me on this. I know this is uh, not, not not everybody's cup of tea here, but I live for this. And I'm, so I do thank you for uh, um, joining us this morning, uh, Harry, and uh, kind of uh, humoring me a little bit. And as we uh, kind of uh, 
answer some of these questions that people might have out there. So it goes through my journey of returning to baseball. As well, yeah, I mean that's that's all part of it. Tyro Strada, three hundred sixty-five points is a projection. Who's the other guy? Nemo. Yeah, Nemo. Nemo surprisingly at four hundred seventeen. Right. And a top fifty player compared to Estrada, who's at rank number one hundred and one. Why? Uh, despite the fact that he's only projected to get a combination of home runs and a net stolen base of twenty one, whereas Estrada, I think he will be closer to thirty at this point. It's because he he Nemo can produce in other ways, like doubles, five triples, nineteen home runs is nothing to sneeze about. He's not going to get you stolen bases, but if you play in a league like I do, where you get points for hit by hit by pitch, you'll take those twelve points. Sure, why not? And the big whopping on base percentage, which I still think on base percentage, it correlates to um, some aspect of points in points leagues and fantasy baseball in general. Maybe not roto leagues like traditional five by five, but if you play like in a twelve by twelve categories league, I think a three sixty two on base percentage will play very nicely. In types in those types of leagues, especially in 800 ops, I mean, Brandon Nemo is a a hitter's hitter, right? But it doesn't always translate to fantasy baseball success. But we always chase that white whale because we you just saw those numbers, yeah. But in traditionally speaking, five by five, Tyro Estrada looks to be more of the power speed combination that people are always looking for. He's just not the guy I'm looking for. So, but yeah, I think I'd, across all these, regardless, I think I would take Nemo just because uh, he's just more consistent, more steady compared to Estrada. Um, makes sense. Riley Green. I mean, that's the big question. Do you take a Riley Green and his upside potential over Tyro Estrada? I do love Riley Green. I do love chasing for potential and upside. I don't like Tyro Estrada. Therefore, I'm taking Riley Green over Tyro Estrada. So that that's just me though. That's that's just how my mind works. <clears throat> I think ADP also slightly picks what would agree with me in, in that regard. Let's look at look at Riley Green, number ninety seven. Tyro Strada is number one hundred and one. Uh, what what are the points? So four point advantage. We're close to four point advantage for Riley Green, but again, home runs and stolen bases thirty one. For Tyro Strata, I'm sorry, this is net stolen base. So 31 for Tyro Strata, 24 for Riley Green. Riley Green is a work in progress for the Detroit Tigers. But Riley Green can probably, um, he's going to be there producing in other ways, just like Tyro Strata. And he's younger. So if you're not a keeper of Dynasty League and you're starting out fresh, Riley Green is a player to get just for the upside potential. More, more triples for Riley Green, slightly more home runs for Riley Green. You know, uh, RBI and runs, Riley Green. But again, Tyro Strata's 23 stolen bases is what gives him the edge. But Riley Green, I don't think I don't think he's going to hit 276, Riley Green is. I think he'll be closer to Tyro Strata. But the fact that there's that upside from a guy who's uh, still learning on the job is the reason why we chase that upside. I mean, that 276 batting average. Because, again, that should at least translate into more singles and getting on base with batted balls. Plus, you take into account that 
343 on base percentage. Again, that's higher than the 315 that Tyro Strata is going to get you, plus a 785 ops, which sometimes, which I still believe it correlates towards production in fantasy points leagues and category leagues and, and, and hell, any type of league at this point. I, I, I rather use ops and batting average and, and just solely depend on home runs and stolen bases than anything else. That's why you kind of roll the dice with the Violet Green over Tyro Strato. Am I making sense here, Harry? I know you I, are. I, I, no, you uh, are. I makes a lot of sense. And and we'll finish with that. Uh, we can go on forever talking, but we got to stop somehow. I'm pretty sure that people are like, "Why do these guys talk so much?" Well, it's it's interesting stuff. What are you it's, talking about? It's, it's, it's baseball, man. It's awesome, man. Two baseball. hours, I think, went, went went by really quick. I feel, I barely, yeah. we. I feel like we barely. I mean, we talk more about baseball cards than we talked about a lot of other things too. <laughs> but thanks to everybody for tuning in. Uh, James, Jacob, I saw Melvin uh, uh, listening in while he gets a Saturday going. Manny and all the people out there at the Baseball Life Facebook group continue the conversation over there. Any last words from you, Harry? Um, thank you for having me. I will continue to do my research and I'll let you know how I make out when I'm on next on the show. Uh, and I'm so sorry. The other question you guys asked for, uh, categories. What uh, what's the scarce commodity? I guess stolen. I I did. I, I was doing a little bit of research beforehand. I think there's going to be 110 players or, or more who will are projected to hit over 25 home runs, but only 50 guys who will steal 25 stolen bases. Let me let me look at those numbers again. So I sort the home runs. Let's go by 20. Let's see how many how many hitters are projected to hit 20 home runs this year. 117. How many players are projected to get 20 stolen bases? 41. Yeah. And but keep in mind that because of the new rules, my rule of thumb is I can be more selective as to who I want on my team. Because stolen bases can be had anywhere. Like, do I want to sacrifice my batting average for a Trevor Story who's projected to get 238? I don't think he's gonna hit that low, especially in Boston. But maybe 250. I mean, do I sacrifice him over a guy like Nolan Jones or Luis Robert or Whit Merrifield? Well, maybe not Whit That's a bad example. Or, 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 or maybe I want to chase the upside that Evan Carter provides me, even though he's only going to get 18 stolen bases. I can see him get to 25 if he if everything else goes well. I'm sorry, that's Shohei Otani. Oh, my God, I'm, I'm blind. But still, 18 stolen bases for Evan Carter. I still like his upside. I, I can see a world where Evan Carter can get to 25 stolen bases and will leave Trevor Story in the dust and 254 batting average. I can see him get to 265 as well. So... I think that's the one thing about these new rule changes. Yes, stolen bases is still a scarce commodity, but I think there's more options to get you stolen bases. And you can be more selective more than ever. Where you don't have to draft a guy like Harrison Bader. Oh, or or a Zach Geloff who's gonna kill your batting average, strikes out about a 30% rate. Or you don't have to just depend on a guy, a, a, a guy like Jake McCarthy. I like Jake McCarthy, but he has flaws in his swing and in his potential. Yeah, 259. I the Diamondbacks also have a lot of weapon, a lot of options at outfield too. So you don't have to depend on Jake McCarthy. You can depend on guys on like on a, like an Evan Carter, uh, maybe a Stephen Kwan, because at least he'll get you a nice batting and non-base percentage. You know, Cody Bellinger gets you the power-speed combination. And now we we know what team you'll play for as well. So that would be the difference. And pitching is going to be at a premium, as you as we've talked about. Um, I did. I also did that's the same thing at starting pitching innings pitch right. I think that's going to be a, a that's always going to be a scarce commodity moving forward because of the new rules that are opening up the offense, and, and just because of the way pitching is being set up nowadays. Like, look, no one's going to 
ATC projections. No one's going to go over 200 innings pitch this year. Garrett Cole is the closest at 195. Right? So what's a nice number you would like to have from a, a starting pitcher in terms of innings pitch there, Harry? I was thinking around 170. Well, okay, so... Is that too uh, high? 22 players are only... And that's what Kodai saying. He's already out. So 21 players are protected to get to 170 innings pitch this year. I was thinking more like 150. So 150 would be a nice I've threshold. Heard, I've heard the number 150 before on some of the podcasts. Well, only 63 players. 63 starting pitchers. How many starting pitchers are out there? Let's see. you got 30 teams times five guys, 150. So not even half the league, not even half the league starting pitchers are going to finish up 150 innings pitch, if you are to believe in those numbers. So and that's barring injury too, right? Barring injury, barring replacements, barring, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, it's a, I mean, I got lucky last year in that ESP, in that, uh, uh, in that one league I was telling you about. A lot of those guys stay healthy, and the guys that broke down, like the John Grays, the Nate Ovaldi, I was able to find replacements rather easily because I'm that good. <laughs> or the other people were that, were that bad. One of the two. I'm sorry, what was that? The other people in the lead, you know, were that bad at picking, you know, holding pitchers. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a combination of things, right? I mean, but I, I, re- I mean, I, 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 I was grateful that a lot of the guys I drafted were able to survive that long, it's where I didn't have to depend on, on waiver wire. Because in the other leagues I was in, the waiver wire is 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 it just keeps getting thinner and thinner. I complained about it in twenty one and twenty two, definitely. No, no, no viable options as the year went on in the waiver wire in 2023, it just kept getting worse. And the last thing I want to point out was strikeouts, right? Pitching strikeouts. I know strikeouts, they're everywhere. So they're not pitching a lot of innings, but the the strikeouts are there. Strikeouts are there. Uh, Seven guys are going to finish with 200 strikeouts. Maybe more if you want to include uh, an Aaron Nola, Freddie Peralta if he stays healthy, Zach Wheeler if he can uh, pitch a little bit more. He can get to 200 strikeouts. Zach Gallon, if he could pitch more innings, he could. Jesus Lazardo, if he can. It all depends if they, if 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 if, if, if they can pitch more. So the strikeouts are, are always going to be there, but it just it's the counting aspect of it, because the race sets are going to be there for pitch. I mean, pitchers will go out there and 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 get us eight nine strikeouts every five innings, right? But how many of those guys can? I mean, well, well magic number one fifty, again. 50 pitchers are supposed to get to 150 strikeouts. And there's our guy, Bobby Miller, at 149. <laughs> so not even half the uh, league's uh, uh, rotation is going to make it that far. So now I'm not saying you have to draft pitchers. You have to concentrate on pitchers. You have to concentrate on good pitchers. You, you have to figure out which pitchers are good and trustworthy and which ones are not. Nick Pavetta is on that, we talked about, is on that threshold. It's on that gray area. Gotcha. Right. Uh, but Tyler Glass now, you know, he can get there. But I, I mean, plenty of people are worried because can he can he pitch more than 130 innings? I'm all in on Tyler Glass now. I'll live and die with that. I'll live and die but, with Tyler Glass now over guys like Lucas Giolito and Mitch Keller. Go ahead. Doesn't the Dodgers going to have a six-man rotation again this year or no? So far, they're only listed five. We can go back and we'll finish with that. Thank you for asking that question. That's a really good question. But, I mean, they have the the, the players to do a six-man rotation. They really do. 
And they're going to have to because they got they got a baby Walker Bueller. They got a baby Tyler Glass. They got a baby Bobby Miller. Uh, they got a baby Yamamoto. Their big investment out of Japan. Their Japanese import. James Paxton. Emma Chien. These are guys that are being baby. But so relatively speaking, if they want to win that division and make it to the playoffs again, they need to ride on Tyler Glass now. Right. They got they cannot go six and seven man rotation if they're expect now they do have a lot of good pitchers. I will give them that. But at some point you need that stability every five days. So Kershaw's injured and not with the Dodgers anymore? No, he he signed with the Dodgers, but he is okay. injured with shoulder. Yeah, he's been complaining about the shoulder injury for a while now. And he, I think he might not be back until August. So don't do not draft. Oh, wow. Don't bother. No, I didn't plan on drafting him. But yeah, we're still waiting. Tony Gonsolin. I'm actually dropping. I'm actually dropping Kershaw. Like I'm, uh, he's one of the he's one of the drops. Yeah, from the, from the roster from last year that they I inherited that team. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. And those are the guys who are injured. I mean, that's a nice list of names, but who, who do we trust? Who's going to be out there? So then we got to look. Michael Grove is a guy that's been on these top ten lists for the Dodgers. Gavin Stone is waiting for his turn. River Ryan is becoming a darling, and that's a guy I kind of uh, missed that on. Well, he's going to be 26 this year, so my 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 projection, my prospect list, you have to be 25 or younger. I got to have a, some sort of a cutoff. So he's going to enter his age 26 season uh, before. So I usually do it before either June 1st or July 1st. I forgot which one. But River Ryan, keep an, keep that name in mind. River right? Ryan. River Ryan. Like, number one prospect for the Dodgers, 19th overall. Uh, a little too high for a 26-year-old, but that's a guy that they're going to bring up to uh, bring, like you mentioned, six, seven-man rotations that the Dodgers like to do over there. So they have options, but ultimately, ultimately, you have to ride your horses. Your horses are Yamamoto, Tyler Glass, and Bobby Miller. You, you cannot do this. You cannot keep playing it safe every year. Because when they do play it safe, Walker Buehler, hurt. Tony Gonsolin, hurt. Clayton Kershaw, hurt. Dustin May, hurt. At one, at some point, you you gotta you, you gotta do something. You 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 gotta you gotta ride on on your starting rotation. Not, and the Dodgers are just lucky, not lucky, but you know we know what they can do from an organizational standpoint. So that's why they are able to live like that. But you know this that 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 division is getting tougher. I mean, look at the Diamondbacks. They should be pesky. The Padres are always going to be on the, a thorn on their side just because they still have some decent players on that team. We just saw them. And the Giants, they're the wild card. And everybody's just going to beat up on the Rockies, right? But, but I mean, it, it's it, if they want to win the division and, make, and, and automatically have a playoff spot where they can get those extra days of rest that they're looking for, you got to put out your best pitchers out there on a consistent basis every five, six days. But, yeah, if you're going to do seven, eight-day rotations, then... That's just a nightmare to deal with. But I'm all in on Tyler Glass now. I'll live and die with Tyler Glass now just because, I mean, look at this craziness. Carry 183 strikeouts and only 147 innings pitch. That's crazy. I, I want in on that. I want to be on the on the ground floor of the Tyler Glass now elevator. So anyway, that's a good place to start. Stop. Thank you so much for everybody that listened in. Thanks for every, Thank you, Harry, for joining me this morning. I am Felipe. That's Harry. We will see you next time. Take care, everybody.